What's your fantasy football podcast? Fantasy rankings, fantasy projections, fantasy news, fantasy advice, all for your fantasy team. Fantasy football podcast. What's your fantasy? This fantasy football podcast is recorded and produced by your fantasy expert, Josh Anderson. What's your fantasy for your fantasy football team? Welcome and thank you for joining us for What's Your Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Josh Anderson. I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Reiner, sitting across the table from me. It is Monday, October 26th of 2019. How's it going, Reiner? What's up, buddy? How's it going? Good to, good to see you again. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for joining me again on the podcast once again. Um, it was a pleasure doing the podcast with you last week. And I'm um, excited to talk about some no, new, you know, recent news and um, talk about a couple sleepers that we have. And uh, we're going to wrap this show up uh, by doing a two-round mock draft um and uh yeah i'm excited about it i'm looking forward to it there's a lot of uh, things that are going on um a lot of recent developments in the nfl preseason action and whatnot so i'm excited to dive into it you know actually though you know i'm kind of getting you know now that i think about it i'm kind of tired i don't know here we go i'm kind of tired and tired of hurting and i know we're in the middle you know you know middle of the preseason and like we haven't actually started the NFL season, but I'm thinking about hanging it up. I think I know where you. I think I knew where you were going. With that. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't help myself. Um, you know, with that being said, we're going to segue right into um, the, probably the biggest news that we've experienced the past day or two with Andrew Luck announcing his retirement from the NFL. Um. You know, and I'm not trying to hate on Andrew Luck. Like I'm, you know, it's one of those things. Like I uh, just wanted to have a little fun there for a second. But in all seriousness, um, really good player. Um, you know, I don't want to go off the rails too much, but I think it's unfortunate how his story kind of played out. You know, I think that the Colts are really kind of to blame for a lot of what's happened to Andrew Luck. You know, I don't feel like they took necessarily good care of him uh, while he was with their franchise. You know, I think there was a couple of years where their offensive line was pretty poor and they just kind of ignored it. And, uh, you know, so that's something that's kind of disappointing to me. I would have loved to have seen Andrew Luck play in this league for a couple more years at least, um, especially after he came off such a good year last year. Um, but, yeah, just one injury after another. And, you know, I guess, you know, I can't really relate to that, you know, too much. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I imagine that's pretty tough, you know, just – going through this like injury after injury and whatnot so um you know but you know i guess uh what do you what's your take on you know on this whole thing Ryder? we'll obviously talk about the fantasy impact here but one of the more shocking if not the most shocking retirement of really when i going back to when i can remember uh, you know, Jordan retiring in, back in 93 from the Bulls, that was shocking. But at that time, I didn't really follow sports like I do now. Um, when it ran across the bottom of my ESPN screen while I was watching Florida and, and, and Miami, uh, I, my jaw almost dropped. I mean, it did drop. It almost hit the floor. Um, just a guy that's 29 years old that 
um, you know, I think was really well thought of, not only in the, in the NFL, but just in the in the locker room, in the community, um, and uh, it almost it kind of it almost hurts your heart a little bit, you know, just seeing seeing such a good guy and everything he went through and, and just deciding to make a, a big change for himself. So hate to see it, but I uh, almost respect him, you know, for it and just, you know, want him to be happy. And, and evidently what he was going through, he wasn't happy. So Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I don't really blame him. I mean, it, like I said, it was, it's disappointing, but I, I totally get it. Um, you know, I I, uh, I get it. I mean, he's tired of hurting, you know. It's not any fun hurting all the time. Um, and, like, it's been kind of a grind for him, especially the past couple seasons you know, with various injuries and stuff. So, um, you know, I totally get it. But, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks for Indianapolis, you know. And I think that's, you know, I think that, that the situation kind of got the best of them a little bit. You know, I heard that they, you know, booed him off the field. And, you know, I think that they're probably just a little – they're a little sour because they're losing such a, a good player, but also, you know, a good guy in the community, you know, a good person for their organization. Um, you know, so, yeah, it sucks. But, uh, but at the same time – I, I do get it. I do understand it. So. I hate it for him because he almost came in with unrealistic expectations behind Peyton Manning. Right, right. Um, you know, he, there's no way he was going to be able to meet those. And then um, just him being injured so often. And, and um, you know, I guess I'll ask you this. Did he live up to the number one overall pick next Peyton Manning hype, in your opinion? I don't the, know. At the age of 29? Obviously, some people had those that ideology, like oh, big shoes to fill. You know, you know, is he going to be as good as Peyton? I don't really look at it like that. I don't think that it's fair to look at it like that. Um, but but here's the thing: I'll say, you know, if it weren't for the injuries, if they had done a better job of protecting him, who knows? I mean, sky's the limit. I mean, for Andrew Luck, he's a really talented player when healthy. So. Um, who knows? Like things could have gone a completely different way for Andrew Luck had they maybe put a little more stock into some other areas of their team. So I agree. I think that's a that's well said. Um, but I guess we'll get on to the fantasy impact. You know, obviously this has big fantasy repercussions. Um, if you've already drafted and you drafted Andrew Luck, you know you obviously have to deal with that situation. Um, I think that if you are in a I'm going to say a competitive 10-man league. I think there's still plenty of options out there for you to fall back on. Um, and, you know, in every league's different. I'm sure there's leagues where there's some guys that are still out there. The league that I've already drafted for, that particular league, for whatever reason, um, you know, it, it, while it is a competitive league, there's a lot of players, there's a lot of managers, team managers rather, that put a lot of stock into quarterback, the quarterback position. And so, you know, where teams like me and like I think I can think of at least another team in that league, we'd rather have the the extra roster spot to stash somebody that could be a lottery ticket. These other teams are stashing, you know, their second or even third quarterbacks. Um, even though it's a one quarterback league, they're only going to start that player probably in their bye week. So, um, hopefully, if you are an Andrew Luck owner and you um, and you draft, you know, and you didn't. You didn't get a second quarterback. Um, hopefully, like you know, your league, whatever league you're in. Hopefully, there's other teams that didn't uh, that took a similar approach to me. And uh, hopefully, there's still somebody out there on the waiver wire that you guys can grab. Um, just some names to note. You know, 
I think that there's still some leagues out there that have Carson Wentz available. Uh, I think Jameis Winston is still available in a lot of leagues. We'll talk more about him later. Um, Josh Allen, even if you're in a deep league and you need somebody, you know, he has got a lot of upside. Um, you know, a lot of people are thinking that Sam Darnold's going to take a leap this year. So the quarterback position is just so deep. I mean, there's still options out there. I wouldn't be too terribly worried about it. Um, if I'm an Andrew Luck owner, um, hopefully you just didn't have to spend too high of a, a draft pick on him because, you know, then that's wasted value in that situation. Two things. One, and ever all the listeners hopefully know this, and you know this, but the the perk of the quarterback position is you only got to play one. Whereas if a good, let's say a stud running back or a stud receiver retires, you're going to be hurting. You know, it's just harder to find. But whereas the quarterback, most people only roster one. Um, some will roster two, like you mentioned. But most roster one good one, and then they'll have a backup for a bye week. Um, the the second thing I was going to say was, what does this do to uh, Jacoby Brissett's value? Does it – I mean, does he jump into the top 15 maybe? Top, I mean – where where would you put him in your in your rankings? I mean, it's not a prolific offense. He does have some weapons a little bit with T. Y. Hilton. Um, he's got some good tight ends. Uh, I think the run their running backs are 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 above average. You know, not great, but above average. So where would you put him in in that um, in the rankings? I actually like the weapons in this offense quite a bit. I mean, you have T. Y. Hilton. Um, you got Devin Funches, who's um, you know I think he's better than he gets credit for. Um, we saw what Eric Ebron could do last year, although I think he's a big he's a big bust candidate for me this year. Still got Jack Doyle Jack Doyle hanging around there. Um and I really like Marlon Mack actually. Um but for me, Jacoby Brissett is no more than a you know, a deep, deep league ad. You know, like maybe you're in a two quarterback league and maybe you pick him up whenever your one of your quarterbacks has a bye week. Um he, he's outside of my top twenty. Okay. Um I think that you know, and now this is why I will say I will say that I think a lot of people will base off base their projections off of what he did the year that Andrew Luck um, was out, kind of unexpectedly. I think they had like Scott Tolzien start the the year for him, and so they ended up trading for Jacoby Brissett, um, traded traded from the Patriots, and I think um, I think that that sounds right. I think Scott Tolzien started Week One, had a terrible Week One. And so they went out and grabbed Jacoby Brissett, and he actually started week two, um, you know, came off fresh off the plane practically starting in week two. And so he didn't have any time to get really acclimated to the offense. And so um, at least this time, you know, he's getting first-team reps. Um, you know, Andrew Luck, it's not like Andrew Luck has been, like, taking all the first-team reps and then uh, he got hurt and now he's retiring. No. Andrew Luck has practiced maybe a total of three times, I believe. So Jacoby Brissett has gotten the reps. Um, he's gotten plenty of work, um, you know, these past few weeks. So he should be more prepared this week – or, sorry, this this year, rather. Um, but I still don't see him as more than a, a deep two-quarterback ad. I would agree with what you just said. Yeah. Obviously, this has a lot of impact on the offense for the Colts. Reiner, tell me – who do you think hurts the most out of the Colts offense from this development? I think there's one name and one name only, and it's T.Y. Hilton. And I I think the tight ends could be uh, – and Jacoby Brissett's not necessarily a young quarterback, but he's he hasn't played a ton in the NFL. Those tight ends may benefit from, from Brissett being in there because they're safety valves. And, but T.Y. Hilton, I think, is the – 
is the guy who's going to really take a hit from this. Him and Andrew Luck really had a, a good connection, good chemistry. And, I, I, I mean, I see T.Y. Hilton's probably a guy I'm staying away from unless I get really good value. That's probably, man, I would say a wide receiver too, but I'm not even absolutely sold on that. Where, where would you put him as far as – he's not a bad wide receiver too, but he's just not a guy that you're totally going to trust, I think. I think yeah, I think you're right. I think like this would make him a low end you know, before he was probably a low end wide receiver one. Um, I think now he's probably a low end wide receiver two. Um and you know, I would I could almost I could almost make the argument that he's a wide receiver three just for this reason. And so back when Jacoby Brissett was starting for the Colts. Um, I think that, um, if I remember correctly, T.Y. Hilton didn't have like a terrible season. He still had a decent season, all things considered. However, um, I think it was because there was a couple games in there that really kind of inflated his stats. And so the problem with T.Y. Hilton with, with Jacoby Brissett is that you're just not going to know when to start him. I mean, there were, there were, there were weeks where they were absolutely brutal. Like you're talking about, like you're talking about two catches, for you know 40 yards or something and you can't have that from your wide receiver one and there was it wasn't like that happened one or two weeks there were multiple weeks where that happened and so that would, he would he would follow it up maybe every like five or six weeks with a you know a 25 point game but I mean you just you're just not going to know when to start this guy I think that's the big problem um and you know if you're looking at you know I mean me personally um, I'm probably not going to own any shares of T.Y. Hilton this year just because if I'm taking somebody in the third or fourth round, I'm expecting to start them every single week. Yeah, I'd like to see where his draft stock has fallen to as far as I haven't done any mock drafts since this happened, but I'd like to see kind of where he's starting to fall to now. Because, I mean, if you got T.Y. Hilton as a wide receiver three, I'm <laughs> – I'm I'm not mad about it. I'm not necessarily happy, but wide receiver three. Most of the time, you're looking for a boomer bust guy at that at that position. In my opinion, that and in my opinion, that's what Ty is now. He's a boomer bust guy. He's going to win you a couple weeks, but he's also may lose you a couple weeks, and that's kind of what you get at wide receiver three. I feel like he's always been a little boomer bust. I think he's especially boomer bust now, just based off of what we saw. Um, from him in 2017 when he had Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, the boomer bust factor went down with Andrew Luck um, naturally because they did throw the ball a lot. Um, but you're right. I think it's definitely a much higher uh, bust. You know, but I still think he's he could be a solid wide receiver number three, and he's not a guy that I'm necessarily. If I get am able to go at wide receiver three for him, I may not shy away from that. I mean, and then just you know see how the first couple weeks and how the chips fall so I think if I had to say one round where I'd be comfortable taking T.Y. Hilton it's probably going to be the fifth round um I don't think that that's very likely to happen I think somebody's probably gonna take a chance on him earlier than that just because of the name value um but that's I think that's the earliest I would be willing to take him what does this do for the tight end the tight end uh, the tight ends that are in Indianapolis you know I wasn't I was I got so mad at Ebron last year, mainly because I didn't own him on any of my teams. And it seems like every week I played him, he caught two touchdowns. Um, so I think – I don't think it hurts them too much because I'm with you. I think Ebron was due for a, a, a fall fallback year. And Jack Doyle was – you know, he was just kind of steady Eddie. He wasn't really doing 
a whole lot anyways. So does it hurt them? Yeah, it does because you don't have, a, a, in my opinion, a, a top five, seven quarterback in the league. But I don't think either of those guys were going to be on my tight end radar anyways. So for me, it doesn't that doesn't change the, the narrative for those guys much. I agree. I'm, kind of there, I'm, I'm right there with you. I don't think that this changes too much for them. Um, I think that there's going to be I, – I, I find it highly – um, I mean, you're always going to have that one guy that, 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 that's still high on Eric Ebron for whatever reason. They're going to let that recency bias come into play. Um, you know, if I went super, super late at tight end, you know, like I think I'm playing in a 14-man league this se- this season, um, I would be okay with Eric Ebron or Jack Doyle being my, my tight end, but I don't feel great about it. Um, I'm, you know, I would be taking them just hoping that um, that Jacoby Brissett kind of relies on his tight ends. Um, you know, and just kind of plays a little dink and dunk football. Does this increase more than max value? I mean, do they become more of a, a running team now? That would and, certainly make more sense. But the fact that they you that know, division just, that I, we talked about it last time, but those that the defenses in that division are are, are pretty good. So to think Marlon Max just going to go out and run run wild on them is is I think totally inaccurate. What confuses me a little bit is um, I would argue that there's not a lot of depth in Indianapolis at the running back position. And so if they plan on running the ball a ton this year as you know, because of this development, um, I feel like they haven't really made a lot of strides to do that. So, um, you know, Marlon Mack is a guy who's experienced some injuries in the past. Um, could you see Marlon Mack getting 30 touches a game? No. I don't think that's very smart for the Colts. I don't think he can hold up for that. I don't think so either. And I don't think the Colts would be willing to do that either, knowing his his history. But so, he's got some big play potential. You know, absolutely. They, they try to get him more in the screen game, the passing game. And, you know, I think I think his stock does go up a little bit, but he's still not someone that's, like, jumping, like, you know, 10, 10 15 spots. He may bump up five spots for me or something like that. But no, he's not taking, like, a dramatic leap. But I do think his touches will go up. Yeah, I guess I'm just a little concerned that there's not going to be a lot of scoring opportunities for Marlon Mack. I think that's that's the thing I'm biggest, I'm most concerned about. Um, you know, he he is a big play guy, and I think that he's a guy that needs to get out into space. And what was great about that Andrew Luck T. Y. Hilton connection is that that's what they could do. They could really spread the the, the defense out a little bit. Um, and but now without you know without Andrew Luck, are they going to be able to spread the the defense out that all that much? I don't know if I see that. So. Um, you know, if they actually, honestly, you know, what would make me feel better about Marlon Mack is if they went out and signed another running back, if they went out and signed another running back, that would make me think that this team is committed to running the ball and they're going to take a little bit of weight off Marlon Mack's shoulders so they can run the ball even more than they were going to originally. Yeah. But I mean, we're what, two weeks away from the season. I mean, who are they going to sign at this point? That's really going to make an impact. There's not a lot of names out there. Maurice Jones-Drew. They would have to either – oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that name in a while. Um, the old roly-poly. You know, there are some names out there. Um, you know, I think that they would – I mean, it's possible they could trade for someone. Where's I mean, DeMarco they, Murray now? Sitting on a couch. Yeah, he retired. Man. So, I mean, that would be very interesting seeing as he used to be a Titan – Right. Um, you know, I don't know if I could see that happening. I think that they he don't was like no, no, running back. They don't. But if you're looking for a veteran guy just to take some carries away, I don't. I don't think that would be a terrible option. 
It wouldn't. No, I would. I would be okay with that. I think that that would be um, a decent person to fall back on. So, um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see if they add somebody. If they do, that would make me actually feel a little bit better about Marlon Mack. You know, just knowing that the Colts are going to be really committed to the run this season, and also just knowing that Marlon Mack's probably going to um, he's going to probably have a better chance of holding up for the course of the season as well. Let's move on to. Um, the next player we have in recent news, Ezekiel Elliott. So um, there's not necessarily like a lot of changes that have occurred lately. Um, you know, there's been some rumors that he has finally left Cabo and so that he was returning to Dallas. At least that's what I took from that news that, you know, when he's leaving Cabo, surely he's coming back to Dallas, but um, still have yet to hear anything. You know what this kind of reminded me of? This kind of reminded me of when Le'Veon Bell – returned to Pittsburgh. I believe he was in Miami last year. And then he returned to Pittsburgh and everybody thought, oh, Le'Veon Bell's coming back. He's coming back and he's he's going to be back in the lineup. Does this not remind you of that at least a little bit? I think so. I'm, I mean, I think we kept saying last year with Le'Veon, oh, he's going to play. He's going to play. They're going to sign him. They're going to do something. And it never happened. Does that happen with Zeke? Well, this is all, this is one thing I will say is that, you know, I think that Le'Veon Bell, he, um, you know, Le- Le- Le'Veon Bell, they never, they never told the Steelers never told Le'Veon Bell that they were going to sign him. You know, I think they were pretty upfront about it. They said they were going to franchise tag him. That they they never really gave me the impression that they were going to sign him to a long long term deal. Um, at least the Cowboys haven't said that. They haven't said they're not going to sign him to a long term deal. I'm, yeah, but does that not feel the same? Like I remember going into drafts last year and being like, if I had the number three or four pick, whatever it was, I felt confident that Le'Veon Bell was going to play. Right. I mean, yeah, so that's, that's kind of – I think in, in that sense, it's very, very similar. Yes. Right. So um, if you're drafting tomorrow, I, um, I think that you – if you are pulling the trigger on Ezekiel Elliott, then I think you have to, have to, have to go out and get Tony Pollard. Um, that would be silly not to. Um, if you don't get him, then I mean you're you're really kind of you're really kind of asking for it. I think that I don't think that Tony Pollard is going to be this year's James Conner, but he could be for the first two weeks of the season. I think that's um, you know I don't think it's very likely that Ezekiel Elliott sits out for the whole year, but um, I think that you know I think that if you own Ezekiel Elliott, then you need to have Tony Pollard on your roster. I got two things about Zeke, and I listened to the the Jalen Rose and Jacoby podcast. They told me two things about Zeke. One, the Cowboys actually offered him a deal, I think somewhere in the 13 to $14 million range a year, and he declined it. Or I, supposedly he declined it and nothing happened. The second thing, I th- and I want to get your, your take on this. You can speak on the first one too, but supposedly we, was he in Cabo? Was that where he was? I believe so, yes. Supposedly he had – I don't know who he was there with or whatever, but he had a um, like a, a, a rule, I guess, to where people had to stay like 30 to 40 yards away from him. Anybody that didn't know him, I guess. Really? Yes. Okay. So they said that on that podcast. What are your First of all, what are your thoughts on the, the Cowboys have offered him a deal? And the second is the 30 to 40 yards, man. That, that kind of blew my mind. That's Okay, so as far as the deal goes – um, I don't know how many years it was, but they said, according to them, he, they he had a solid, good deal in place, 
recently, and it was going to be somewhere in the range of thirteen to fourteen million dollars a year, which is, I believe that's what Le'Veon's making this year, right? Thirteen to fourteen, something like that. I thought it was making more than that. Are you sure? Pretty sure. It may be over fourteen, but I don't think it's above fifteen or sixteen. I think it's more. We can like look 16. that up while we're talking. Yeah. But uh, what are your comments on on both of those things? You know, as far as the deal goes, I feel like I would imagine that they've got to be at least close to getting the deal done. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I feel, I feel like this, this offense, um, they really, it really, really needs Ezekiel Elliott. You know, I don't think Tony Pollard – let me, let me be very clear. I think I, I, I want to kind of take back what I said earlier about the James Conner-Tony Pollard comparison. I think Tony Pollard could be – you know, the quote-unquote James Conner for like maybe a week or two, but he's not James Conner. James Conner is a good running back. And honestly, James Conner was better than Le'Veon Bell when he came in and replaced Le'Veon Bell. So um, if you look at the efficiency numbers, you know, uh, yards after contact, yards, yards before contact, um, yards per carry, you know, he, he looked better than – I mean, just the eye test, I think, too. He looked better than Le'Veon Bell. And so – um, you know, I don't think that Tony Pollard is going to come in weeks one and two and have better efficiency numbers than Ezekiel Elliott. So I think this team really, really needs Ezekiel Elliott if they want a shot at a Super Bowl. Um, you know how Cowboys fans are, and because speaking, you know, seeing as you are one of them, you guys need and want a Super Bowl. Like you guys are impatient, you guys are done waiting, much like University of Tennessee fans in football. Like you guys want it and you want it now. So I think that. There is a little bit of pressure on Jerry Jones to get a deal done. I would be shocked if it didn't happen, you know, unless they are just unrealistically high on Tony Pollard. I would, I, I can't see them not getting a deal done soon. Well, you saw where they also signed the the um, the linebacker Smith, Jalen Smith, I believe, from Notre Dame. The Cowboys signed him to an extension. I saw that, yeah. And so it was kind of like, was that a slap in the face to Zeke, or was it just – It kind of felt like You know like what it. I mean? Because, like – Jerry, it sounds like the Cowboys are are trying. Um, the problem is, is you know, what is Zeke looking for? We don't know that. Um, but I do have Le'Veon Bell. He his contract was for four years, fifty two million, uh, signing bonus eight million. But his average salary per year is just over thirteen million. So, if I'm Zeke, you know, and I don't know who the highest paid running back is, and I don't, I mean. But he's got – I mean, that 13 to 14 would put him in the, gosh, the top five, I would think, if Le'Veon Bell's making that. I would imagine so, yes. So what – I mean, I guess the lifespan of a running back is short. The shelf what, life is right, what, very, what, very what, short. And I know he's still on his rookie deal or whatever, but what what's he – I mean, is this him being stubborn a little bit or is it just – you know, and I want guys to get paid, no doubt. They deserve it. He's the guy carrying the ball. I'm selfish because I want him there, and I'm like, come on, Zeke. But I want him to get paid, too, a fair amount. But I also don't want the Cowboys to spend so much money on offensive players where, you know, the way they've built it through their offensive line and, and, a, and a, I think, an improving defense that now they've put right, invested all this money in their offense, What how's the rest of their team going to look? You know, because right. the teams that are successful, besides like Tom Brady taking a, you know, a franchise deal – are usually have like a quarterback on a rookie deal or a quarterback that's not getting paid a, a crap ton of money. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you look at. Um, I think that's why a lot of a lot of 
a lot of people are high on the Browns right now. I mean, um, you know, I don't the Browns and the St. Louis, or well, formerly the St. Louis Rams, uh, now the Los Angeles Rams. They they were in. I mean, the Los Angeles Rams were in a similar situation to the Browns when you really think about it. I mean, not to that it wasn't as as dramatic, it wasn't as bad, but the Rams used to suck. And they just played for a Super Bowl last year. You know, they acquired some draft picks. They had a young quarterback on a rookie deal, um, and Jared Goff. So Chiefs too. What about the Chiefs? Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's another good example. So I mean, a lot of these Super Bowl contenders, um, you know, they they are these teams with you know a quarterback on a rookie deal. So um, it's hard because, in my opinion, it's like I want these guys to get paid what they're worth. But look, but a guy like Tom Brady who takes a you know a franchise cut. You know, he could be easily be paid the highest-paid quarterback. He's done, you know, but he always seems to take a deal to help out the team in other ways. And, and, and look what their team's been able to do. I mean, so. Well, that guy wants to win more than anybody. I right. Like. So, is it – I guess what I'm boiling down to is, is, is this a selfish move? You know, I'm not saying he's going to need to take $8 million, but, you know, accept your 12 to $13 million, and do you want to really want to win a ring? I mean, so I don't know if I'd use the word selfish. Um, let me be very clear. I am pro player. Like, if you are a player, you need to go get your money and like whatever it takes to get your money, do it. I know it didn't really work out for Le'Veon Bell last season, but it, if you feel like you know if you can make a decision that's going to get you more money, then I think you need to make that decision. So. Um, you know, I I don't necessarily begrudge Ezekiel Elliott for playing this the way he does. Um, you know, I, I, I certainly we want him to come back. You know, you know for fantasy reasons and and really just for just being a football fan, I want to see Ezekiel Elliott with the Cowboys. Um, I would just like to see them at you know their you know full strength alongside Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and just see what happens with the Cowboys franchise. Well, I think we're we're football fans and right. we want to see the best players play. Exactly. And even though Le'Veon Bell and yeah, James Conner had a uh, had a great year, I mean, Le'Veon Bell is a fantastic football player. We want to see him play. I mean, we're right. fans. Forget fantasy. I'm I'm a I'm a football fan. I want to see the best players play. And so to see them not even in training camp or just holding out which another guy we're going to transition to here in a minute, Melvin Gordon. It it just kind of it kind of sucks. So I don't think the Cowboys. I'm gonna I'm gonna end on this note with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think the Cowboys are really doing themselves any favors right now. I almost feel like they're not taking this situation as seriously as they should. You know, Jerry Jones made the comment a couple weeks ago after Tony Pollard had a good preseason game about, you know, he said something to the effect of like Zeke who, you know. Um, you know, I, I don't want to blow things out of proportion, uh, you know, but Ezekiel Elliott's agent said that it was unprofessional and it was disrespectful. And I have to agree with him. It was kind of disrespectful. I mean, this is a business, and I found that very, very concerning that they um, that he went there and, and, and said what he said about it. And then to go and sign Jalen Smith, um, you know, extend him, you know, it just – it almost looks like to me that they're just not taking the situation all that seriously. Yeah, I agree. I, I guess I, it's hard because we don't know the whole backstory, and kind of like I first said, you know, supposedly they've offered him a deal, so maybe they are taking it pretty serious. So at this point, I don't think it's going to be a Le'Veon Bell situation. They seem to be working harder uh, that a deal was offered, but you know, I could see him missing a couple games. 
Moving on to our next player, um, we'll segue into a similar, somewhat similar situation in Melvin Gordon. Uh, Melvin Gordon, running back for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, man, it still sounds so weird coming out. I know. Yeah. Um, Melvin Gordon, um, you know, the situation with Melvin Gordon, um, similar situation to Ezekiel Elliott, um, I think the big difference for me is that Melvin Gordon seems a little more – I want to say a little more absolute. You know, he asked for a trade. Um, you know, he's said that he's prepared to sit out for the entire season, which I think Ezekiel Elliott has said the same thing. But, you know, I think it's concerning that we haven't really heard a whole lot about Melvin Gordon. And maybe that's just because the Cowboys are a little more in the spotlight. Um, but, you know, I think I'm a little more concerned about Melvin Gordon's situation than I am Ezekiel Elliott. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I totally agree. It's kind of like we heard about Melvin Gordon a lot in the beginning. You know, he was willing to hold out and this and that. And then the Zeke thing kind of came out. And then Melvin Gordon said demanded a trade or his agent did or whatever. And now we really haven't heard about him. So it's like, you know, what's going on with that situation? Because I I think the Chargers need him. I mean, Phillip Rivers is – he's on the very tail end of his career – I don't know what he's doing personally to trying to get this deal done, Phillip, but um, I would think he would be trying to work as hard as he can because the Chargers, I mean, I think we talked about it last year, had a legit shot to maybe make a run at that thing and um, end up getting beat pretty good by the Patriots, I believe. But, you know, I think the Chargers were right there last year and Melvin Gordon was a big piece to that. So to take him off that team, I, I, I got to think they take a step back. I would agree. Now, what I will say is this. I think that Ezekiel Elliott is more important to the Cowboys than Melvin Gordon is to the Chargers. Um, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, I think it's pretty clear, at least to me, that the offense runs through him. So, um, Melvin Gordon, the offense does not run through Melvin Gordon. Now, he's a fantastic player. Don't get me wrong. But we've seen moments in the past where the Chargers get by without Melvin Gordon, um, you know, whether it be because of an injury or whatever, you know. Um, so, and there's plenty, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a few playmakers with the chargers. They have Keenan Allen, they have Mike Williams, uh, Hunter Henry will be back this season. So, you know, the Cowboys playmakers, um, there's not as many w on that team. Now I think that they have some good re receivers, but I don't think it, it seems like a, si a different situation, you know, better quarterback, I would argue, um, with the chargers. So, I don't. I wouldn't say that the offense runs through Melvin Gordon, and that's probably not working too well for his, you know, to his advantage either. Well, the Cowboys built their whole team around Zeke. You know, they they started with the offensive line, and then, mm -hmm. you know, I think people were a little shocked when they drafted him. I think it was at number three overall, um, and he's ended up really living up to the hype. Um, whereas you're right, the Chargers have seem to have more weapons. Um, more pass catchers. Um, so I, I totally agree. Zeke's more important to the Cowboys, but the Chargers need Melvin Gordon. I mean, yeah, the know, Chargers, they, they need him. I mean, he's not just somebody who's just – they can push to the side. I think both these teams are in win-now mode, but I think the Chargers more so than the Cowboys. You know, just because, you know, Dak Prescott is still young. Um, Phillip Rivers, the time's a ticking, you know. He's he's an older quarterback, and there's just there's only so much more time for him uh, in this league. So, um, you know, once once he's done, then I mean, their future is going to be really in jeopardy, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. I just um, I kind of like I said earlier, I'm just 
maybe I'm just frustrated about both situations because I want to see those players play and just leaving everybody in limbo, us as fantasy players especially, where you're like, well, I mean, I like those guys, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to win. I can't. I don't know if I can afford to, to waste a pick on a guy that's going to sit out. Right, right. Um, moving on to our next player um, in recent news, Unfortunately, Lamar Miller in a preseason game against the Cowboys two days ago um, tears his ACL. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people were thinking that Lamar Miller could be like a, you know, a sneaky RB2 this season. And I know we say that every year, it seems like, um, you know, but, you know, with them cutting Deontay Foreman, you know, it kind of felt like maybe, maybe uh, Lamar Miller was in for, you know, a decent decent year you know good offense um how do you feel what do you what do you think about well what, what's your what's your take on the backfield for the Texans at this point I guess Deontay Freeman's their starter now right I mean Duke Johnson Duke Johnson yeah is he the they, starter have they named him the starter they traded Deontay Foreman um or released him rather they released they? Deontay Foreman yes they wow I was surprised because he got quite a few carries last year well, last year I believe he got he got hurt. He got then, hurt, but he um, he was carrying it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. There was a time period where he actually was getting a, quite a bit of run. Um, but yeah, they they cut Deontay Foreman. Um, they acquired Duke Johnson from the Browns, and so now, um, unless they go uh, and make you know make a signing, um, it looks like Duke Johnson's going to be the guy I'm, for the Texans. First of all, let, let me start with Lamar. I hate it for the guy, but he was probably the most one of the most frustrating running backs in fantasy because he always came in with these lofty expectations, and I say lofty as fringe RB one, definitely an RB two starter week week by week starter, and he ne- he never lived up to the hype in my opinion. I mean, he if he got you double digits, you you probably had you were very ecstatic with his week. The Duke Johnson thing actually really intrigues me because I I didn't realize he was the starter there. I mean, I, I think a guy that showed some flashes with the Browns of 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 being a productive tailback. But how good was he if the I know, I know they they had Nick Chubb and and those guys, but how good was he if they were so willing to let go of him? And and he never really seemed to carve out like a a a good role with a t- with a bad team, you know what I mean. So, but he's a great pass catcher. You know, he's a guy. You know, PPR leagues, he catches the ball well. Um, he can make guys miss. He's he's kind of a big play threat. So, I'm kind of intrigued by that actually. Yeah, if you've already drafted and you just happen to run into Duke Johnson and you know as a um, you know as a sleeper, you know, just picked him up and you know we're kind of thinking like, oh, maybe this guy could have some PPR value then you're obviously very very happy now um I I, I'm with you I'm a little concerned um just because the Browns were so reluctant to use him now this is what I will say about this situation back when Hugh Jackson was the coach I think he was doing some questionable things I mean you gotta you gotta think this was the guy who was reluctant to use Tyrod Taylor or excuse me he was reluctant to start Baker Mayfield over Tyrod Taylor despite them taking him number one overall. And so, you know, I have to wonder, um, you know, I have to wonder how much that played into things. Um, I mean, do we think that Hugh Jackson was just reluctant to use Duke Johnson? Um, and that's why he didn't see a lot of, a lot of time. I don't know. I think he's got some talent. Um, 
And I guess if they don't make a signing, if they don't sign anybody else, then um, I mean, I could see I could see Duke Johnson have a having a really good year. I mean, he, he could be he could be a league winner for some people. Yeah, I, I'm like I said, I wish I'd done a few more mock drafts, but I'd like to see where he's going. I'm sure his ADP now, is skyrocketing right now. now that Lamar Miller's out. Um, is he a guy that people are reaching for now? I mean, you got Deshaun Watson who, and you got some good receivers for the the Texans. I'm not as high on the Texan offense just because their O line is terrible. So maybe that Duke Johnson's value is not as high as we think because of their O line and how bad it's been. But I think there's at least some intrigue there, and um, I'm I'm kind of excited. I don't know if he's a guy that I'll really seek out, but he's a guy that I'm kind of intrigued to see kind of what he does in that offense. Me too, yeah. I think that um, – I mean, he could be a really, really good player for this team. I think the biggest thing for me is I think that maybe um, – I don't want to go crazy, but I think that maybe everybody gets a little bit of a boost, you know, as far as – you know, Deshaun Watson, I think that he's going to have to throw more. Um, maybe you see him run the ball a little more often now that they don't have this guy that's like a good in-between-the-tackles runner. Um, I think that maybe the pass catchers get a little bump, maybe slightly, not like crazy. But, um, you know, I think that the Texans, formerly they used to be this team that wanted to play good defense and run the ball. And now it seems like, you know, I think their defense is actually not – really what it used to be you know I feel like they're okay uh, I, feel like, I feel like they're pretty actually I'll take that back I think they're pretty decent um but um I don't think they're gonna have that running game to go with it so I think that you we could see a little more passing from this offense now well I think going back to their defense because it impacts their offense their defense kind of is full of big names but they're never like as dominant maybe as they should be <clears throat> but I'll say this I'm I'm the more we're kind of talking about the Texans' offense, the more I'm kind of liking Duke Johnson and just, you know, you 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 mentioned Deshaun Watson running around a little more. I, I disagree with that because of his past knee injuries, and granted he's got to some because of the O-line issues, but I don't think there's any way in, in the world that they ask him to run around more just because of his past. That's, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, they don't want to – you know, risk their franchise quarterback. Um, but maybe he gets those points in the air now. I mean, you got to think, like, if nothing else, you don't really have a, you know, a, uh, you know, an early down in between the tackles runner, you know, and Duke Johnson, I would argue. I mean, he's probably he's going to get some, but he's a pass-catching running back. Um, so maybe that, you know, maybe that lifts Deshaun Watson's value I, a little bit. I think that's kind of the entry with me with him. Mm-hmm. Is the pass catching skill right? Right. You know, I, he's not a guy that's going to run between the tackles twenty times a game, but he's a guy that can get you ten to fifteen carries. He's a guy that can catch you three or four or five, you know, balls out of the backfield, and especially in PPR, I think that's you know you catch three or four balls as a running back. You know, I think that's a big boost. So, where do you feel comfortable taking Dude Johnson? What round? Who Who's the Texans backup after him? I think that's the thing. I don't think there's anybody behind him. So, I mean, there's the there's been there's been some rumors that they may sign. Uh, well, where would you, where would where would Lamar Miller have gone before the injury? Fourth. Oh, man, fourth round. Um, I don't think he was going that early. I think he was going later than that. Um, I, I would I would I would 
feel comfortable going for Duke in the six to seven round range. That's kind of what I was thinking as well. I was thinking around that area. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we don't know what he's going to do. We, I, I imagine this being a good offense. And so, um, you know, it sounds like he's could, he could get some opportunity here. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they went out and signed somebody else. Um, there's been this rumor that they're going to go out and sign Jay Ajayi. So, you know, we've seen flashes from him in the past, um, you know, but he's been kind of, that's, you know, underwhelming since then. That's kind of the Duke Johnson MO, though. He gets finally gets a chance and they Classic. go, yeah, they, they <laughs> go, they go and sign a guy that can run between the tackles, kind of like he can't. Um, but there's still, I still think there's some intrigue there because, like I said, because of his past catching skill, um, I, I would like to see. I hate. I'm. I'm probably gonna shy away from Duke unless I. I get him at a. I think a good value. So, I think so too. I think there's probably gonna be some guys that that uh, go crazy and 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 overreact and maybe they go and try to grab him in like the fifth round or something. I think that's an react. It's an overreaction. There's plenty of guys that are like more than him in the fifth round. Uh, but I'd be willing to take a flyer on him in the sixth or seventh round. Well, yeah, and I think, like you said, if they go sign Jayajai, his his value already drops. Exactly. Because Jayajai is going to be your goal line touches, more of a power back, and so. I think if that happens, I think if they make a signing, I feel like that's going to happen by the end of the week. So if you're drafting this week, then that may be a tough one to evaluate. Um, if you're drafting next week and we still haven't heard anything about them signing anybody, then I think you can feel pretty good about Duke Johnson being uh, the guy that you want to own in the Texans' backfield. All right, we're moving on to a wide receiver of note. Um, Josh Gordon recently whoop reinstated. Whoop. Are you on the Josh Gordon hype train? Now back with the New England Patriots, with the greatest quarterback of all time. Wow. I hate when you say that, but it's so true. Uh, I'm not on the train. Uh, I, until he shows me. So obviously it's not going to be this year until he shows me that the dude can play a full season. I'm not on it. He would be a uh, maybe a waiver ad for me, a free agent ad, but I'm not on the train. It, there is some intrigue because of his skill set. The the dude's got the talent. Um, they've lost Gronk now. Um, I mean Edelman's going to be even more important. Uh, he's still got Chris Hogan, um, but. I guess I'm just not sold until I – even when he played last year, he didn't really make a very big impact. Uh, he may have had a couple of good games, but he didn't make the impact I think people were were hoping he would make. So I am I am not on the train, but I am intrigued to see what he does. And I, and personally for me, I'm, I'm staying away. Yeah, I don't think I would take a chance on him until the very – you know, until some late, late rounds, you know. Um, I'm not on the train. I think, you know, I, th- I think that, that Edelman – is the guy that you want the receiver you want to own in the New England Patriots offense. Um, and I don't think it's all that close. Um, you know, even when Josh Gordon was in, um, when he was actually playing for the Patriots last season, I think he had some actually some good efficiency numbers, but I don't think he had a whole lot of volume. Um, and that's what's, what's, what's kind of concerning for me. Um, you know, of course, Rob Gronkowski is gone, and so he doesn't have to compete with for targets with him. But – I think this offense is probably going to run quite a bit this next season. Um, when they're in passing situations, I think it's going to, you're going to see a lot of James White, a lot of Julian Edelman. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that you want to own um, some of these rookie wide receivers that they've acquired recently. 
Um, Hakeem Buck- Butler is that is that yeah his name? the guy from um, Arizona State. Yeah, I, I, end I of the first round. Yeah, yeah I, I mean he's a first round talent, but I, I don't think that means that. Um, I don't think that means you want to own him over Josh Gordon. I think that, but I think I think that um, you know we may see kind of a mixture of you know Philip Dorsett and Josh Gordon. Hakeem Butler. But hasn't that always been our issue with the Patriots? Exactly. I yeah, mean, besides so. Edelman and, and, and even Gronk last year was probably, you know, he wasn't even a he was even a top three tied in. Yeah, I think that's why you but, can't really trust Josh. Right. Gordon I mean, the, the offense is just so spread out. Even James White and James White will stink and catch ten balls out of the backfield, and that's ten attempts that could have – I mean, if a third of those go to Josh Gordon, I mean, you never know. So, I think the Patriots are are too unpredictable. Besides Edelman, and 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 I think James White's always a good add, and especially in PPR leagues. I agree. Yeah. So I think we're both on the same page. We're staying away from Josh Gordon unless we can get him at a a really really cheap price um, in our drafts. All right, that's all we got for like recent news. Uh, we're going to be keeping an eye on things. Um, me personally, I'm going to be keeping an eye, especially on. Um, the Ezekiel Elliott situation, the Melvin Gordon situation. Um, I'm interested to see if the Texans do anything about their running back posi- position. Um, but some things to keep an eye on. Um, you know, make sure you guys are being very, very vigilant and checking news and, and seeing stuff like that. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a big edge in a league because I'm uh, paying close attention to the news, and then I, I it gives me an advantage because then I can go pick up a guy um, that other people don't know about yet so um, very very important make sure you guys are paying close attention to um, news here in the next few weeks all right so wanted to talk really quick about um, some sleepers that we have for this season so um, for those of you that are new at fantasy football sleepers uh, what that really means what that can really what I define it as is uh, guys that are going late um, their current ADP but could outperform that ADP by a significant margin. So, Reiner, tell me, who is the first player on your sleeper list? I'm going with a guy that um, – Sleepers. Sleeper. Wide receiver. Sleep. They're sleeping. I'm sorry. Sleep. Don't, don't, um, wake, don't wake him up. They're sleeping. This guy needs to wake up for this team to be pretty good, I think. <laughs> I'm going um, James Washington, the receiver for the Steelers. Okay. And the reason I'm going to him is because of like Juju got last year, I think the coverage seemed to shift to Antonio Brown quite a bit. Juju was able to to take advantage of man coverage. I think James Washington is a talented receiver. Um, I can't remember if he's in his second or third year in the league, but he's still young. He's had an, you know another full off season without Antonio Brown there. I think he slides into that number two receiver. And the Steelers, let's be honest, they – they have a good offense. I mean, anytime Big Ben's there, you still got James Conner, Juju Smith still there. I think James Washington has an opportunity to be a sneaky. I think he's a solid wide receiver three, and depending on how the offense plays, could sneak into that wide receiver two conversation. It seems like the Steelers, no matter what happens, it seems like they always have a pretty good offense. So long as Ben, so long as Ben Roethlisberger is in the lineup, and he's playing. It seems like that offense is a very, very well-oiled machine. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, he, he, you know, he just they, they find ways to get that offense rolling, even in times where Le'Veon Bell has been out. Um, you know, remember that that season where um, Le'Veon Bell actually tore his ACL, and here comes D'Angelo Williams, 
Um, so they've always kind of found ways to get that offense rolling. And um, I mean, it, it's a rare occurrence when the offense isn't working. So um, I think that that's a pretty good sleeper. Um, I think you could also make an argument for Dante Moncrief. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that we're going to have some more clarity pretty soon about um, who the number two guy is. I mean, I don't know. Dante Moncrief is one of those guys that he's always been hyped up, you know, and it's so it's hard for me. It's a little hard for me to get on board with that. But at the same time, there's a reason why everybody's hyping him up, you know. I think he's been plagued by injuries a little bit. Last season was pretty underwhelming because, you know, he had Blake Bortles throwing to him and a Jaguars offense, which was 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 anything but, you know, overwhelming. So, um, I'm so. In, I'm in your boat. I think the the name sounds sexy to say. You know, I mean, it's like oh Moncrief. I've heard that name. He's had some big weeks. He's been a decent fantasy wide receiver, but I like the talent. James Washington's younger. Um, and I think he's he's just he's just going to be able to complement Juju Smith Schuster um, a little bit better than than Moncrief would do. Now I think Moncrief's going to play obviously because they're going to run a lot of three wide receiver sets anyways. So, um, but I think Washington has more potential than Moncrief. Yeah, I can see that. I guess my big thing, usually my tiebreaker in situations like this is um, unless I just really have a good gut feeling that one guy is ahead of the other one. Um, I'm usually going to go with a guy that's going later in drafts. So, you know, they're sleepers for a reason, you know, um, that's the whole thing. Like you're taking a flyer on either one of these guys. And so, um, I'm usually going to go for the guy that's going at a discount because, you know, I'm kind of, it's almost like a coin flip in, in either way. So, um, but pay attention to the depth chart, you know, especially right before you draft, if you intend on targeting the wide receiver two in this offense, um, you know, pay close attention to this before your draft, um, you know, that way you can make the best decision you can. So, and his last name is Washington. That's um, Amer- that important America. On this podcast, we are very, very patriotic, of course. So, you know, I am in full support of that. God bless. Oh, sorry. Okay, <laughs> uh, give me one of your sleepers. I know you had some guys that you were really kind of high on, and and um, what was your first one that you kind of were leaning on? One of my favorite sleepers this year is a quarterback. Um, and so I mentioned this guy earlier um, who I really, really like a lot is, this year is Jameis Winston. So we, I feel like every podcast we've done on here, um, we've talked about this Buccaneers offense. Um, you know, Man. Are we overhyping it? I don't think so. Um, I don't see this offense being much different than it was last year. Um, you know, similar, similar situation to last year. I would be shocked if we – um, don't see something similar to last year. So I think that, um, you know, James Winston, it's not going to always be pretty. You know, there's going to be times where he throws interceptions, but um, I like the coaching change there. I like his pass catchers, bad defense, poor running game, um, throw first coach, throw second coach, um, might throw may, – may run the ball three you – know, on the third time coach. I mean, he just – this offense, I think it's gonna. Um, I think it's gonna be better than last year. James Winston's gonna be the only guy. There's no Ryan Fitzpatrick hanging out, ready to jump ahead of him like there was last year. So, I think that uh, I think this offense is gonna be good this year. I'm, I'm, you know, if you look, if, if nothing else, if you can't get on board with any of that, I mean, just look at how many games last year that James Winston started and finished, and how many yards he had, 
in all those games. In half those games, in half those starts, he had over 300 yards. Half of them. He had over 300 yards. And some of them were closer to four. So, um, you know, if you got a guy that you, you know, you got a 50% chance of him throwing for over 300 yards, um, you know, sign me up for that. I got two positives and one negative. Sure. The positive is the division he plays in, and I think I mentioned this last week. It seems to be a division that is focused on scoring. It's a lot like the pack. It's like the Big 12 in football. Mm-hmm. Just like a lot of air raid. Saints right. are going to score. Uh, Falcons are going to score. Um, and so I think, to your point, that helps Jameis because I still think they're going to be behind like they were last year. My other positive point is the weapons around him. I think he has a lot of good weapons around him with Mike Evans and O.J. Howard and um, Cameron Brait and uh, Goodwin. Chris Godwin. Yeah, Godwin. Um, I'm not as high on him, but I could see him being a, a decent wide receiver three. The negative I have on him is he's not – he's so hard to trust just because of the interception and because he just does some absolutely dumb stuff. Um, but as far as like a fantasy wise, he's a, he is a sleeper. You know, if you're watching the Bucks game, you're like, this guy's an idiot. Like I said, it's not going to look pretty. It, yeah, um, but but you look at your fantasy game afterwards, you're like, man, these guys put up 28, 35 points, and he's got a chance to to help me win this week. So there was a game last year. Um, I know I know this wasn't Jameis Winston playing, but um, you know, I would argue that. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston maybe shared some similarities last year. Um, just as far as, you know, there were times where Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't play especially great. Um, but I remember in week three against the Steelers, he still had a 25 point game and he threw three interceptions in that game. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I think it's easy to hate him too, you know, just cause of some of the stuff that went on in college and, you know, he's the number one overall draft pick, and then he's been, done some some not-so-smart things in the NFL. And he's an e- crab legs. Yeah. Well, that sounds good right now. Those crab legs. pretty good, yeah. Fresh crab legs. <laughs> you hungry just thinking about it. Yeah, I know. He, he's just an easy guy to hate, and and so I think that's why a lot of people aren't as high on him. I looked at the the ESPN um, positional chart, and I think he's going as QB 17 right now. Around that, so. See, I feel like that's the perfect reason why maybe you, if you like taking quarterbacks late, he might be the perfect target. Well, let me ask you, you know? this, because you're big on, on, on just having one QB. Is he a guy that you trust enough just to have one QB? Or if you if he's a guy you draft um, for our listeners, would you want to make sure you had a backup if you had Jameis? Based off of last season, I would say yes. Um, I'm pretty confident that, Jameis is going to be all right this season. Now, would I be opposed to snagging another quarterback maybe a round or two before that? No, I'm not opposed to that at all. Um, you well, you know, talked earlier about you don't like to have two QBs on your roster. I so. don't. I don't. So, now. personally for you, Jameis may be a sleeper, but he's probably not going to be your starter. Is that what you're what you're saying? You know, I actually think he's a starter. And I don't think it's – I don't think there's really any question about it. Um, you know. So, if I put – this is who he's going around. If I put Lamar Jackson, Mitchell Trubisky, Jameis Winston, Phillip Rivers, Kirk Cousins, you're taking Jameis? I'd rather have Jameis over all of those guys. And it's not close? It's not close. The only one that might – that is a little close is Phillip Rivers. The only thing – okay, so Phillip Rivers, I think, he had a really, really good la- year last year. 
Um, you know, and maybe they throw a little bit more if Melvin Gordon is out indefinitely. But I think that he's going to regress to the mean a little bit this year. You know, he, he, last year he threw a career low in interceptions. Um, like I said, he had a really, really good year. I think that he's going to kind of come back down to earth this year. You know, I'd be shocked if he didn't throw more interceptions this year than he did last. So, um, you know, he's kind of one of those players. We talk about Jameis, you know, having this DGAF kind of attitude. I feel like Philip Rivers, you know, he he's a, a gunslinger. Yeah, he's yeah. a gunslinger. That kind of leads into my next sleeper. And it was a guy that you said in that quarterback ranking that you were not high on. Kirk Cousins. Okay. Here's why. Here's why. I think Kirk Cousins finished as QB 13 last year. So right outside your your normal 10 to 12 person league. I think he got a little bit of a bad rep because of his contract and it was a it was a big one for a quarterback. I think with Dalvin Cook being fully healthy, I think he's got some weapons with Diggs and and Thielen. Um, and I know that division's pretty good with the Bears and 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 the Packers, um, both being pretty good. But I just think he he without adding Dalvin Cook as a weapon, I think Kirk Cousins has an opportunity. He's going as what QB eighteen, nineteen now. I think he has an opportunity to finish around ten, if not in the top ten. I, I would say anywhere between the eight to twelve range, which would be a solid starter in most leagues. See. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that um, because almost because of what you've just said. Um, I think that there's a chance that Kirk Cousins has a good year in real football. I don't think that I see him having a very good year fantasy-wise, and here's why. It became apparent to me last season that the Vikings were trying to get back to this identity of when he want to run the ball and play good defense. Um I think that the reason that he had such a good year last year is because Dalvin Cook was out, and so they were kind of forced to air the ball out. I partially agree with you, but you see teams that give quarterbacks big deals like that, they don't want to hand off the ball 40 times a game. The The Seahawks are the one exception. They give a guy a big deal like that, it's almost in the DNA to, like, let's make sure he's worth it. And I, and I, and I And another reason is I think he's got good receivers. Thielen is uh, arguably the most underrated receiver in the NFL. I would agree with that. And and Stephon Diggs is kind of a, kind of the T.Y. Hilton. He's a little bit of a boomer bust guy, but maybe a little more maybe a little more consistent in that department. Um, and and Kyle Rudolph's a good a good weapon in the in the red zone. And I think to your point with Dalvin Cook, the offense may be better. They may have more scoring opportunities. And yes, Dalvin's going to steal some of those. But Kirk's going to throw some of those too. So I think his touchdown rate goes up. I think the offense is better. And I just think he, he has an opportunity to really finish as a as a top 12 quarterback. I guess I'm just really curious what this offense looks like this year. Just, you know, are they going to be careful with Dalvin Cook? Are they going to unleash Dalvin Cook? Are they going to continue to rely on their pass catchers? I, I mean, it's a tough one for me to evaluate. Um, and I, I think I have to think – that they're going to try to rely on their defense and try to rely on their running game. Um, so, but I could be wrong there. I could be wrong. I may be, I may be too low on, on Kirk Cousins this season. I don't know. I mean, he's a sleeper for a reason. Like I keep saying, like he's a sleeper for a well, reason. Well, so. back to your Jameis point, sleeper for me is he's not, he's, he's probably not going to be my starting quarterback in game one. 
but he's got an opportunity to possibly be a backup and possibly, you know, outplay a guy like a Phillip Rivers or a guy like a, a Jared Goff maybe, depending on, you know, where how their season turns. Um, so that's kind of my thinking. I, I, he's not a starter week one, but he's a guy that I'll definitely have my eye on, and, and he may end up being – because I, I don't mind to, I don't mind to roster two QBs unless I absolutely have a stud because then I kind of play the matchup game. Sure. sure. Um, but he's a guy I'm just kind of high on. Who's um, who's your second sleeper that you're kind of thinking has an opportunity this year? The second sleeper I have is um, DJ Moore. So um, I don't know if you can necessarily call him a sleeper at this point because I think he's going in like the fifth or sixth round. Um, but he could very well outperform his ADP, you know. And I'll, I'll admit, a lot of this is very, very anecdotal. Um, but this is what I got to say about DJ Moore. He's got that first-round pedigree. Um, I think that it's telling that they got rid of Devin Funchess. They cut ties with him. Um, you know, I think that they feel confident in DJ Moore's ability. Um, and I think that, you know, with a – I think that Cam Newton's experiencing some, you know, a lower body injury right now. But, um, you know, I think the important thing is, you know, we got we still got some time before the regular season. I think I think Cam Newton's going to be probably fine. Um, but the most important thing for him, I think, is that his shoulder's finally healthy. And so, um, I think that only raises DJ Moore's value. I think that they still rely on uh, Christian McCaffrey in a big way. But I think that DJ Moore, you know, I think he could he could be in the range of a um, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up as a high-end wide receiver too. I think what you just said hits the nail on the head on why I'm kind of iffy on him, and and that's what you get with a lot of sleepers. But that offense is just – there's not – I don't know how many touchdowns Cam threw for last year, and I just can't get I can't get sold on their their passing game, and I think if their passing game seems to be going well, it's because they're throwing the ball to McCaffrey. I think DJ Moore has some potential. He's he's a good athlete. He he can make people miss, but I I just can't get I can't get past how how their offense just seems so bland without McCaffrey, and 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 to be honest, Cam Newton around the goal line or inside the ten running the football, so a lot of times he's he. he vultures a lot of touchdowns from their passing game right um, i don't know if there's a whole lot of scoring opportunity for dj Moore. i think that's why i'm hesitant on him um it's i mean that i guess well he's, and, a, he's a sleeper well yeah, and he's I, definitely a sleeper he's not very valuable in a ppr league in my opinion just because they don't throw the ball a ton mm-hmm. and they and if he's he's throwing it it's to mccaffrey or olsen it seems but could you see a scenario where they end up having to throw a little bit more this season yeah I but mean, they have a, like you said earlier good con- it's a good division um, you know, a lot of good offenses in that division. They could find themselves in situations where they have to throw the ball. You know, they have to play the Saints. They got to play the Falcons. Um, there may be some situations where they are behind. So I, I mean, could, I mean, I could see it. I'm just, I think the potential's there, I, and that's kind of why you put him in the sleeper category. I'm just, I guess, I'm just not sold on him being like a a stud receiver and 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 being a which. The Panthers, besides Steve Smith, never seemed to have a stud. They had what Kelvin Benjamin for one year, and he they ended up trading him. So I, I, maybe I'm just confused what their organization is doing. I mean, they seem to be not really trying to help out Cam a whole lot. I know McCaffrey's been a good add, and and they and DJ Moore's a first round pick. Um, I mean, but, yeah, I think that the year that they that that Cam Newton had a 
you know, that fantastic year. When they made the Super Bowl. Yeah, when they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know. Was that Steve Smith? That was not Steve Smith. Um, actually, the best. Was that Funchess? That was not Funchess. Try again. It wasn't Benjamin. It wasn't Benjamin either. Benjamin actually tore his ACL that season. And so there's a lot of people that were actually down on Cam Newton that year, but he still had a fantastic year. I can't I can't recall the receiver. The best receiver on that team was Ted Ginn. Wow. Yes. And so I think that, you know, I don't know if the, the Carolina Panthers have another guy like their quote-unquote Ted Ginn, like this guy that can stretch the field. I think they – they kind of got wrapped up in this, like, oh, we want to make the offense more dynamic. And so they had a Christian McCaffrey, and I think that was a good add. I think they were they were right to, to draft him. That was smart. Um, but they need somebody that's going to stretch the field. I don't think that DJ Moore is the guy that's going to stretch the field by any means. Um, that's when that offense was most effective. So um, so I, I, I don't know. I, um, I don't think – I think it's more likely – you know, I said like earlier, I said like it's – I think it's possible that DJ Moore – you know, I think it's it's possible he can end up as a, a you know you know a high end wide receiver too. I think it's probably more likely that he ends up as a low end wide receiver two, or or maybe a high end wide receiver three. Kind of like you said, that's why he's in the sleeper category. We don't really know, but he's a guy that the the Panthers don't have a lot of options, so they got to throw it to somebody, you know. And I think Greg Olson will vulture some of those, but sure. he's also on the tail end of his career, so. Mm-hmm. And they may, and like you said, they draft him in the first round. They may try to get him more involved. So yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, he's got that first round pedigree. Um, I like that Funchess is gone, um, and I like that Cam Newton is, in theory, his shoulder is in better shape now. Let's start our mock draft. I got one more sleeper I want to mention. All right, go ahead. Keep in mind, he's a deep sleeper, deep, deep sleeper. All right, it's gonna be tough to wake him up. Like he's in a really deep sleep. This guy's so hibernating. I'm, I'm going with my boy. He's not really my boy, but I'm going with Jalen Hurd for the 49ers. I thought you may bring him up. He is the – yeah, I'm, I'm calling him a deep sleeper for sure. He's definitely not a sleeper for me. He's a deep sleeper. Um, but I don't think he's, like, in that deep of a sleep. You know, um, a couple weeks ago in a preseason game, he actually catches two, t- two balls for two touchdowns. Um I like the versatility here. I like that, you know, he's somebody that could be used in multiple ways for the 49ers. Um, I'll give you a little backstory on Jalen Hurd. Jalen Hurd actually, um, former Tennessee Vol, um, had, you know, kind of some issues with the Vols and their team and actually ended up refusing to play. Uh, and kind of funny how this all worked out. He was there at the same time as Alvin Kamara. And so Jalen Hurd was actually the starting running back for the Tennessee Vols. Um, and then he, you know, starts to – he gets taken out a couple plays. They ask him to go back in. He refuses to go back in. And then before you know it, um, he's kicked off the team or he leaves the team. I don't recall. He either quits or he's kicked off the team. And then the following year, he's a Baylor Bear. And so um, I had some good – had some good uh, stat lines as a uh, you know as a Baylor Bear. Um, actually, was converted to wide receiver, so he was running back at Tennessee, converted to a wide receiver with Baylor, and so the guy's still learning the position. Um, but I think there's some talent here. I think that he has some potential. Um, I think it's just he's very very raw right now. So, um, but I could see a scenario where the 49ers 
you know, like his ability, you know, they may line him up in different, different sets, line him up all over the field. Um, you know, he's got a good, got a good build for a wide receiver. I think, I believe he's six, two or so. Um, so I think he's like about 230, 230 pounds, something like that. So I like the potential here for Jalen Hurd, but he's a deep sleeper for me. Yeah, I, w- I would say pretty deep. Um, from a guy that's only played the position in college, I think one year. Um, obviously, he had the red shirt, so he, he got to learn a little bit that year. But a guy that I think, kind of like you said, he has potential. I'm not sold on the 49ers offense, even with Garoppolo back. I still think George Kittle's the number one option. I think they still have um, Dante Pettis. I think they drafted Debo Samuel, who's ahead of Hurd in my book. Um, and I'm just not sold on that offense. I, I, I see some potential there because of the traits you talked about, the size, the weight. He runs well. Um, I just – maybe I can't get over what he did to Tennessee, so I'm like maybe a little bitter. Yeah, I'm a little bitter about that as well. Um, you know, I think that – I guess my thing is I'm looking at it from a couple of different angles. And so one of the angles is this. Um, the 49ers – I think they made it pretty clear that they're not satisfied with their wide receiver position. They took Debo Samuel in the second round. Jalen Hurd, they took in the third round. And I would argue that's a pretty high draft pick, you know, for a guy like Jalen Hurd. So um, I feel like they, they're pretty high on Jalen Hurd considering they took him as early as they did. They That tells me that they really wanted this guy. They wanted him bad enough to get him in the third round, a guy that is still raw, still in the position. Um probably a better dynasty ad than um an ad right now you know like for redraft leagues um but i wouldn't be like crazy surprised if he came in and started making a splash you know it looks like they're kind of looking for him in the red zone a little bit i could see that i'm just not sold on the 49ers offense i mean who are their running backs tevin coleman and tevin coleman matt breda or matt breda jared mckinnon is uh dealing with some injuries right now right so. I mean, I still think the only the only guy I'm drafting off the 49ers is George Kittle, and that's that's I'm mean, gonna have to pick him in the top three rounds, probably. Right, right. Um, I think he he has to be going in the least. So I mean, round. I agree. He is a sleeper, and like you said, the weapons they have are not not easy to buy in on. Um, but he's a guy that I don't think I don't think many people will roster. What are your thoughts on this? not necessarily saying I agree with it, but there was a, there was a time when this guy was starting over Alvin Kamara back in college. Yeah, I know. Does that have any impact on you? You said 6'2". I think he's closer to 6'4". Okay. So it helps his receiver but hurt his running back. Right, right. Um, and, you know, I, I think it speaks more to the coaching staff at Tennessee than – I think you're but right. But it shows you the talent. I mean, he he was a starting running back for a reason. And uh, Granted, if he stays at Tennessee and stays as a running back, he's probably their all-time leading rusher. Right. I mean, I think he was on pace for that because he started as a freshman, five-star coming out of high school. Um, so the talent's there. Everybody's seen it. It's just, you know, uh, you heard rumors about him already getting in fights and stuff at the, at the 49ers camp um, when they were just going through walkthroughs. He was going a little too rough, I think. And some of the veterans didn't like that, and so maybe he's just a dog. Maybe he's a competitor. Well, I mean, yeah, but 
you got to win the locker room too as a rookie, and you know you got to gain the trust of your quarterback. So that's uh, that's fair enough. Yeah, I think um, you know, I don't want to get carried away. I don't think that I don't want to. I don't want to go with this like narrative where I'm saying, oh, Jalen Hurd's better than Alvin Kamara. You know, like oh well, you know, Jalen Hurd started over, you know, Alvin Kamara back in college, so that means he must be really really good. I'm not going there and saying that, but I mean obviously. The Tennessee coaching staff, there were some questions with them. Um, they had some questionable seasons. They actually had a lot of guys that you know went into the draft and have performed very, very well with their respective teams. Um, but obviously, there was at least it wasn't it wasn't. I guess what I'm saying is it must have been at least somewhat close. That running back battle had to have at least been somewhat close if Jalen Hurd was starting over Alvin Kamara. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but it was I don't even think it was that close. They were Hurd was a starter every game. Well I guess that's I guess that's the argument I'm making for Hurd. You know, it's like, you know, obviously, you know, I, I this is what this is what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna be very explicit with this. Alvin Kamara is a better football player than Jalen Hurd. Okay. Let's just get that out of the way. But I think the fact that Jalen Hurd was starting over Alvin Kamara at one point, I mean I think that says I think that says something. I'm not saying it says that he's better or that he's going to be a stud in this this you know in this league, but um, I think it's just a testimony to like Jalen Hurd's talent. I think that there is some talent there, and I think there's some upside. I think that's, well, he had a good year at Baylor. Now Baylor likes to throw the ball. Um, they're not quite like they used to be, um, but the talent's there, kind of like you said. And I guess that's why you put him in the sleeper category. So. Um, We'll see what happens. I mean, he's not a guy that I'm rostering, but he's a guy that I could see making a, a few splashes this year, um, you know, given the opportunity. Let's move on. I think we've talked a, lot, you know, a little too much about old Jalen Hurd. We, me and Reiner both have probably a little bit of a bad taste in our mouths about that fellow yep. um, since he kind of ditched the Tennessee, uh, the Tennessee Vols um, several, several years ago. So – um, yeah, let's get on to our mock draft. So uh, we're doing a two-round mock draft. We're just going to alternate picks, um, and uh, kind of uh, we're going to do PPR style, um, and we're just going to kind of go through it, talk a little bit briefly about some of these players. Uh, probably won't spend too much time on some of them, but some of them I'm sure we will debate a little bit about. Um, so let's go ahead and let's get into it, I guess. Um, well, I guess the first thing we need to do is we need to determine who's going first. Take the honors. It's your podcast, bud. You, you go want ahead. me to go first? You go ahead, bud. And I'm going to be writing them down. So You know, I think I would rather go second. Maybe. I'm going to go. I'll go first. You know why? Sure. This is going to be my keeper in the in our league we probably care about most. Okay. Um, I'm going to go the easy route. I'm going to go the best running back in the game right now. I'm going to go to a uh, running back that their team has committed to running the football even more this year and I'm going Saquon Barkley at number one yep I really don't have anything to say about that I mean he's a stud he's he could very well be one of the best running backs of all time um when it's all said and done um future hall of famer uh, I mean barring any injury that he may experience in the future so um yeah I love Saquon Barkley this year I think don't get cute don't get don't be worried about Eli I wouldn't be worried about the offense Uh, I wouldn't be worried about the offensive line for that matter um if you got the number one overall pick don't get cute. You're taking Saquon Barkley. Um, if I am team two, I am taking Christian McCaffrey. So 
Um, you know, there's not a lot. I don't think there's a lot of room for uh, debate here, if you ask me. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were skeptical of Christian McCaffrey last year because, you know, they said before the season that they were going to increase his touches, you know, to the point where he could get like 25 touches a game. Um, you know, I think people were skeptical that that was actually going to happen. Turns out that they actually did do that. And so I've, I'm, I'm forecasting that happening again this year. Um, and so I'm high on Christian McCaffrey once again. I think this offense is probably going to be a little bit better um, with a healthy Cam Newton. So I'm all in on Christian McCaffrey. No arguments here. You know I had Barkley and McCaffrey last year in I our do. league. I do recall that. So, you yes. know, that's great point on why I won the league. Mm-hmm. The champion. You just had to bring that up again, didn't you? Yeah, I bring it up every podcast. Uh, team three. What is team three doing? Um, we've already talked about this guy on this podcast. I think he has – the offense is going to be prolific. He's going to lose some goal line touches, and, and he may lose some, some things to Drew Brees. But I'm going Alvin Kamara, and um, I think those top three are, are pretty set in stone in most drafts, if I had to guess. So I'm going Alvin Kamara, and I uh, love the pick there. And I would all – I wouldn't argue to anybody picking him at number two either. Yeah, I think if I'm drafting number three overall, I'm probably taking Alvin Kamara. I can't help but think there's something – I'm probably going to be on an island here when I talk about this. I don't want to talk about this too long. But something has me nervous about Alvin Kamara this year. It's not Alvin Kamara specifically. It's more so his offense. And so it didn't seem like to me that the offense was working as well towards the end of the year last year. I didn't think that Drew Brees looked particularly great last year either. Yeah, he started hot. He cooled off. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous about Alvin Kamara. I think that um, the Saints like, like to run the ball, and so that makes you feel good. But, um, yeah, something's got me feeling – I don't know. I've, I've, something's got me nervous about Alvin Kamara this year. With that being said, it's kind of looking like I'm going to be the number three overall pick in one of our leagues. Um, actually, multiple leagues, now that I think about it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't help but think – I can't help but be a little nervous about Alvin Kamara and that offense. Um, but with that being said, I'm, I'm probably pulling the trigger on him anyways and just kind of hoping for the best and hoping that Drew Brees proves me wrong. I just – I didn't like – Drew Brees and his efficiency numbers last year. I feel like, you know, his yards per attempt were down. Like he just didn't look like the same player. He looked old. Yeah, I but say that. But with he Mar- like with, the same quarterback with Mark Ingram now in Baltimore. There's a bona fide number one tailback, and the the difference between, I think Kamara and running back four or five six whoever, is his ability to catch the football and make people miss. This is true. And they play in a dome, and they play in a division that doesn't play very much defense and Drew Brees checks down a lot so PPR Alvin Kamara is I mean he's a monster this is what I will say about that I think that um Latavius Murray I think he is going to take some of that work that Mark Ingram had last year um I don't think he's going to take the same amount of work but I think he's somebody that um, that could see some touches in that backfield. I think he's going to get more run than people think. Well, naturally, every number two running back is going to steal a few, vulture a few, but I don't think it's going to be enough to sway my opinion on drafting him and probably number two or three overall if I had to pick. Right, right. I'm probably doing the same. Um, the one guy that I'm th- considering over Alvin Kamara um, at the number four spot, 
um, is David Johnson. So I think that a lot of people were underwhelmed by David Johnson, but I think that people are a little – do you feel like people are overreacting a little bit on David Johnson? Yes and no. Okay. Yes, because he came off being the number one running back, I think, the year before when he broke his – he broke his hand two years ago. Mm-hmm. But the year before that, he's the number one running back. I guess I just need to see more of what this offense is going to do. You know, that's that's kind of what I'm waiting on. I think the argument that I'm making, the big argument that I'm making with David Johnson, because um, there's different, there's a couple different, you know, things that kind of help his case. Pretty much everything that could have gone wrong for David Johnson last year, excluding injury, went wrong for David Johnson. You know, like he had a, a it was a bad it was a bad offensive line. It was a bad um I would argue that the coaching was not great. Um and I would also say the quarterback play was abysmal and that's probably what played into his value the most. Um despite all of that, he still finished as a running back 9 on this on the season. It probably didn't feel like it. It didn't feel like he finished as RB9 on the season, but he did. Um, I think that Cliff Kingsbury, he likes to throw to his backs. And so, especially in PPR scoring, I think David Johnson is going to get a lot of work in this offense, um, just as he has in the years past. So, um, I'm all in on David Johnson. I'm not worried. You know, like I think that we've seen, you know, how bad things could get for David Johnson. And, like, when you think about it, it wasn't all that bad. He still finished as an RB one. It was a it was a, a fringe RB one, but he still finished as an RB one. I think he just gave you some weeks that you weren't necessarily like loving as an RB one. You know, you need your RB one every week to, you know, give you a chance to win the game, and he didn't seem to do that consistently enough. Um, but at number five, uh, number four, uh, there's only one guy I'm going to take above him. I'm going to take him at number five, and that's Zeke. I think if Zeke's in the game and playing, we're just we got to think he's playing because they're working towards a contract. Zeke is arguably the besides Barkley, probably arguably the top running back in the game. Sure. And sure. Um, I think people are dry, he's dropping a little just because people are nervous that he's not going to play. Um, but if he's healthy and he's out there, and you're getting Zeke at five, I feel like that's a steal. Yeah, the only reason that Zeke is not at my number four is just because we don't know. Right. Um, We're going to just we, go off the basis that he's he's playing. Yeah. Well, I think that's tough, though. I think it's tough to say, like, to assume that he's playing when we don't know. We don't know if he's playing. And, like, I think if if you are willing to take Zeke at four or five or three even, um, heck, if, if I knew he was playing, I'm taking him, I'm taking him at two personally. Right, right. Um, I just think that, you know, because we don't know um, – it just it makes me nervous, and so I like to be risk averse. We talked about this in the last podcast. I like to be very, very risk averse in the first two rounds. And so, if you're willing, so where does where does, get, Zeke, where does Zeke fall for you if you're risk averse? I mean, if you're picking at eight through ten and he's there, are you are you taking him? I am. So that's not really. I, I mean, that's three picks apart. I mean, but I am making it a point to grab Tony Pollard, like. And I am reaching on Tony Pollard, like probably by quite a bit. I'm probably taking Tony Pollard in the sixth round. Okay. Just to be on the safe side. I think the very latest I would ever take Tony Pollard in a 10 man league, in a 10 team league, it would be in the eighth round. 
I think that's kind of the sweet spot, you know? Like the like not the sweet spot necessarily, but that's like the very latest I would take a player like that. Right. Uh, who are you going with number six? Because this is kind of when we get to the wide receiver heavy, or do you reach for a guy that hasn't played in a year? I feel like this kind of concludes for me personally. This concludes that first tier of running backs. Um, so, um, you know, if you can get like a stud running back in the first round, then I think you got to do it. Um, I would argue that this that first tier that concludes like the first tier of like stud running backs. And so, with the number number six pick, I'm taking. DeAndre Hopkins. So, um, good young quarterback. I think this offense is going to find some situations where they're going to have to throw the ball. Um, he's got plenty of weapons to kind of draw attention from him. Um, so, I really, really like DeAndre Hopkins this year, um, as I did last year and the year before as well. Um, and I'm all in on DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's going to be um, – he's kind of – I feel like he's improved his – yards after catch and I think that was something that people were concerned about a couple years ago I think he's been better at, uh, as far as like getting yards after the catch I have no arguments there I think he's the top receiver in the game and I don't know that it's that close I think there's some other receivers that can put up similar numbers um, but as far as like taking over and dominating the game DeAndre Hopkins is the guy I want at number seven and I'm going this pick because you know I value running backs I'm going Le'Veon Bell Okay. And here's why. If Le'Veon Bell was still with the Steelers, he'd arguably, arguably be the number one overall pick this year. Him and I think him and Barkley would be in the conversation. He took a year off. He's not with as good of an offense, I understand. But we know the talent's there. I mean, we've seen him do it. I think the Jets will get him involved in the passing game. I think they're going to rely on him running the football. And I think at number seven, if you're looking for a bona fide number one running back, you're putting Bell in your lineup and you're not taking him out. And that's kind of what you want in your first-round pick, especially at number seven. You could go receiver. I get it. There's a lot of good receivers there. But I think running backs are harder to come by, and especially a guy like Bell who you can just put in your lineup and not have to worry about it. So I feel like there is a – I'm going to talk about this again, being risk-averse. I think there is a lot of – risk with Le'Veon Bell I, I see that but I see more risk with me taking a good receiver here and then getting an average tailback later hmm. you know because I'm I'm big on because I think the running back pull is so light I think Bell is number six and I'm sure the next running back will go here pretty soon and after that I'm, I think there's and, heck, I think there could even be a drop-off after Bell, depending on health. Yeah, I just don't know if I'm – I don't so know. If I'm, so, for me, personally, you know, I value running backs. I'm taking Bell, and I'm and I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about it at seven. I just don't like – I don't like the new team. Um, I don't like that he hasn't – he's been out of football for a year. Um, you know, I, I'm sure he's in – you know, he's got to be in decent shape right now. But I don't know if he's necessarily in football shape. Um, so would you one, reach for a receiver there instead of Bell? I would. I would. I don't have Bell going Bell, until the middle of the second round. Really? Mm-hmm. Again, I'm risk averse. You I'm risk averse. You, now, you, at that you, point, I'm you just, are, but I don't think you're understanding how weak the running back pool is. I know, but is, if I'm if, okay, so I'm, I'm. I've told you before, I'm risk averse in the first two rounds. The the first round, especially, I'm risk averse. But is Bell really? 
I mean, you're saying risk averse, like he's coming off an injury or he's not going to get the touches. We got to think also. I mean, Le'Veon Bell hit, you know, even before his holdout last year, the guy missed 18 games in his career. He's missed 18 games even outside of his holdouts. Well, so. that's the same as David Johnson, though. He missed a full year. And then when he did come back, he wasn't the same player. He did. Mm. He I wasn't the same that, player. I would argue he was the same player. He was in a poor offense. He was in a poor offense the year, but the year he was the number one tailback. I think that. I think it was a different situation. The year he was number one tailback, he still had guys around him like John Brown. He still had Michael Floyd around. You're talking. You're talking about Larry Fitzgerald. You're talking about fringe wide receiver threes right now. Let me ask you this: Would John you Brown was have, John Brown and Michael Floyd starting in a lineup every week? When he three years ago, when David Johnson was the number one tailback, not every week. That's what I'm saying. Out. You're 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 naming guys that are not even wide receiver threes. Well, let me ask you this: What about the quarterback play? Josh Rosen. Would you rather have Josh Rosen last year, or would you rather have Carson Palmer three years ago? I mean, probably Palmer, just because I've seen him more. But I, I mean, I, you're even thinking about it. I don't think it's that dramatic of a difference. From running back nine to running back one, and I think it, when he was running back one, it wasn't close. Let me ask you this question. Gosh, I don't even remember who the coach was last year. Who was the coach for the Cardinals? It was the defensive coordinator from the – I can't remember. Steve Wilkes. Would you rather have him or Bruce Arians? No, I, I, I understand what you're saying. But what I'm saying is he went from running back nine to running back one – or one back one to nine opposite. You're just saying risk averse. There's risk with David Johnson. I disagree. Well, he he was he was RB nine last year, and yeah, but Le'Veon that Bell could have gone wrong for him. Went wrong. But who's? But so you're, like, you you're talking about, about you're talking you're 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 putting your hope in a in a college coach who could barely make a bowl game at Texas Tech with a rookie quarterback now. Okay, everybody's high on Kyler Murray. I get it. Talent's there. But what I mean, what's to say that offense is going to succeed in the NFL? What do you think is more likely to happen? David Johnson finishes worse than RB nine this year, or finishes better than RB nine this year? I would hope he would finish better. I don't think there's any question that he's going to finish better. But you're telling me Le'Veon Bell will finish worse than RB six because that's where he's drafted at in this draft. He could. Yeah, I haven't even gotten to my next point yet with with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, you know one big reason I don't trust Le'Veon Bell? Why? Adam Gase. I don't trust Adam Gase at all. One of the best one of the best uh, things about Le'Veon Bell is his pass catching ability. You know what Adam Gase doesn't do? Kenyon Drake? Would there were well, if you want to make a case for Kenyon Drake. I'm not making a I'm saying he's very much less talented, but yet he Kenyon Drake was hardly used last year with Adam Gase. But he had some breakout games. I would argue that he didn't have a very good year. He didn't have very he didn't have very many good games. I think he had a good I season think, the year before last. I think Adam Gase gets a bad rep. I'm not saying he's a great coach. He's a horrible coach. No. The Dolphins <laughs> the Dolphins were He's a horrible what coach. What did they surround him with? Nobody. Exactly. They had a horrible team. Exactly. So but you're blaming that on him? And I think the Man, Dolphins I, were the Dolphins were competitive. I I just I don't trust I don't trust him. I don't. He's trust, an don't. offensive mind. I think I I will I will. 
Put it on the board. Le'Veon Bell finishes RB6 or better. Put it on the board. Um. Hmm. You're gonna give me a little bit of leeway there. RB six is where he's drafted. You yeah, said you're not drafting him. If he's going in the middle of the second, like you said, you've got to take at least one or two running backs before him. That would put him at RB eight. The only running backs I have before Le'Veon Bell are Nick Chubb and Todd Gurley. Like I, I, you're taking I, Chubb. The, you're taking Chubb ahead of Connor. I'm taking Chubb. Yes, I am. And ahead of Mixon. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I am uh, risk averse I'm mu- in the first two rounds. I say James Conner is much less risk averse than Nick Chubb, in my opinion. Well, the Steelers are talking about how it could be a backfield committee. They, a lot of teams say that. Yeah. So what are you going to do when Nick Chubb's splitting carries with Kareem Hunt in Week Ten? And the last six weeks, he's getting ten carries instead of twenty. If his team is the well-oiled machine that I think it's going to be, I don't know if I see a reason why. The Browns would just stray away from using. They're not going to stray away, but they're not going to give a talented running back. They're not going to just leave him on the sidelines. I don't think Kareem Hunt is out is as talented as people think. I Are think you? he was a product of his environment. Oh my! Kareem you, Hunt was with the Chiefs. Look at Damian Williams. Damian Williams is going in like the fourth round now because okay, but now you, but now you're putting him on the Browns, who you're who you're thinking is going to be a top five offense. Is that not within the realm of possibility? Not in my opinion. Top ten, maybe. So Kareem, so so Kareem Hunt steps in a top ten offense, and they're going to sit him on the bench. Not necessarily. That's what I'm saying. I think Nick Chubb is whatever. That doesn't matter. We're Le'Veon Bell, RB six. Are you putting it on the board? I think that you're kind of boxing me in here. Like that's RB seven. It's really tight. What are we putting on this? Six pack. A six pack. Mm-hmm. So you say that Le'Veon Bell. That's that's. In, we got to make a clarification. Injuries. If he gets hurt, that's on a points per game basis. He's RB six or better. I thought what, what happened to RB seven. You want seven? That helps me. Oh, uh, that's right. Okay, we'll <laughs> do RB seven. We'll do RB seven. What about? Let's see. Where where do you, where would you draft? Where were you going to draft him? You're going to draft him. At RB six, yeah, he's a six in our mock draft right now. He's a, he's going six. If you're not high, listen. If you don't think, if you, I say if, Le'Veon if, if, Bell does not finish better than RB six. RB six or better. Put it on the board. All right, all right. Just one one right there. Got a six pack. Nope. <laughs> okay. All right, you're up. Pick eight. So uh, this is team eight. Mm-hmm. Who just who just got off the board? Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Okay, I'm a little off track here. Okay, so with the eighth pick, and I feel like this is way too late for this guy to go, I'm taking Devontae Adams. Um, the big thing that I like about Devontae Adams is that he is a touchdown machine. He's very, very consistent. He didn't have any, any weeks that just, like, blew you away last year, but you, like, could throw him in your lineup and you knew he was going to produce. He was going to have a good wasn't a he? Good game wasn't he wide receiver number one last year? He was, but – He's steady, Eddie. I would yes, he is steady Eddie. Right. I would I would argue that he is like the antithesis of Tyreek Hill, where Tyreek Hill is like really really boomer bust. Mm-hmm. Devonte Adams is like com- the complete opposite. Like Devonte Adams is like yeah, super super consistent. The Packers don't have a mu- many more options besides guys that will occasionally have a breakout game and they get added on the waiver and then they don't do jack. Mm-hmm. 
you know, Allison and what was that dude with like three last names? Uh, Valdez Scantling. Yeah, I mean, people were picking him up like crazy, and he did nothing. Right. I like right. the pick. He is. Well, you took him at number eight. I he is. You say he's going too late. He is very close with me with my number nine pick, and that's Michael Thomas. Okay. I think Michael Thomas. The amount of balls that he catches thrown his way is absolutely insane. And I think we I referenced this with um, Alvin Kamara. You were not as high on Drew Brees, understandably so. He cooled off in the second half. That offense is going to be good, man. Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Kamara, that offense is going to be good. I mean, they're just very creative. Michael Thomas is a first-round pick. If he falls to the second, someone is getting an absolute steal and I could see him in some dress falling to the second, especially in a ten man league. But yeah. I like him at number nine. Yeah, I, I, I have him very going very close to that. Um, man, for some reason, this is so anecdotal, but I just something has me nervous about Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, for that matter. Just the Saints' offense, but they don't um, have anybody else. No, I, I understand. And the I, offense is good. No, I, well, I understand that too, but I think the offense has been good because of Drew Brees. Like, not just because of Drew Brees, it's because of his the talent around him. But I think it's the scheme, kind of like the just, Chiefs. Something just has me so nervous about the Saints. Um, I just, I did not like how Drew Brees finished the season last year. Would it shock you if Drew Brees, you know, didn't have a very well, good year, wasn't very efficient? I mean, what what do you – I mean, like a top 10 QB, is that what you're saying? Not necessarily fantasy-wise. I just – could you see him being an anchor not, not, for I mean, Alvin Kamara? I think, he, I think he's going to be fine. I mean, that system is built around him. Sean Payton and him know each other like the back of their hand. Kamara's going to finish as a top four running back, and Thomas will finish as a top four receiver, in my opinion. And if both those guys do that, their offense is going to be fine. Don't get me wrong. There's no way – I'm I'm taking Alvin Kamara any later than pick five. There's no way I'm taking Michael Thomas any later than pick ten. Um, but that's what I'm saying. The man, oh man, it makes me nervous. Not me. I mean, they got two two top ten picks here with a quarterback who's who's done it. That's true. So who yeah. are you going at number ten? Uh, number ten. Since you took Michael Thomas, um, I'm going Julio Jones. Um, I think that people were frustrated last year about the, you know, Julio Jones and the touchdown department. Um, but I really like Julio Jones. Um, I think that, you know, he kind of – we saw last year that he kind of regressed to the mean. He, he started scoring more touchdowns uh, towards the second half of the season. And, um, you know, I mean, he's arguably – he's arguably – I'm not saying he is. He's arguably the best receiver in the NFL right now. Talent-wise, yes. Maybe besides Hopkins. Um, I am just kind of like everybody else who drafts him. I'm worried about his touchdown rate, and sometimes that just can make a wide receiver number two drop to number six, seven, eight just because of touchdown rate. Mm -hmm. But I do think their offense is going to be good, so um, I have no complaints with taking Jones at 10. I'm going to pick at 11, and I'm going to assume I already have Julio Jones as as Yes. No one with the snake. Yes, yes. And yes. I'm going to go running back here because I think it's crucial if you went receiver in the first round to go to a running back. And I'm taking Todd Gurley at number 11. I like that pick. I think if you start your team with Julio and Gurley, I think you're going to be very competitive in most weeks. Um, he's a guy that I know some people are nervous about his knee, but I think he's going to be a, a very good pick. 
You know, it seems like he's kind of boosted up a little bit in ADP recently. Like he's all of a sudden, um, you know, there have been times where I've seen him go like at the end of the second round, and now people are like, all of a sudden everybody's like high on Todd Gurley once again. Um, you know, it kind of seems like everybody's back in on Todd Gurley, and he's like a borderline first-round pick now. So, um, you know, I actually just had a draft recently. It was an auction draft, and in that auction draft, I, I believe I spent – uh, about 25% of my budget on Todd Gurley. I think it was like $54 or $56. Um, David Johnson went for like 67 or so, something like that. And so um, didn't really feel all that great about it then. You know, I think maybe I feel a little bit better about Todd Gurley now. Um, I'm just – I'm going to feel a lot better, a lot better uh, hopefully, after their first game if he gets 20 touches or so. Todd Gurley just has me a little nervous because you don't know how – the Rams are going to use him. So it's not necessarily the injuries um, for me. It's just I don't know how the Rams are going to manage him and use him from week to week. I think it is the injuries because that's what's coming back to where, how the Rams manage him. If Todd Gurley doesn't get hurt last year, let's say he's fully healthy, which is so hypothetical, where's he going in this year's draft? Top Top two? Probably. He's probably going – Probably, probably going him and Barkley are both right there at one, two, along with Le'Veon Bell if he hadn't set out. Actually, I would argue that he's going number one. He's yeah. probably going number one over Saquon. So, I mean, last year, like, before he got hurt, I think that's where, where people, like, had him going for this year's draft. So, um, so yeah, I would say that he's probably – he probably would have been – he probably would be going over Saquon had he not gotten hurt last year. So, I got to draft this, this upcoming Wednesday, actually. Um, where I actually have the tenth pick, I already know that. Um, and if Todd Gurley is there, I feel like that is going to make a very, very difficult decision for me. Um, you know, originally I was thinking that I would go receiver, receiver, and I may still do that, but I don't know. It's going to be really, really tempting for me to take Todd Gurley there and just hope that he's going to be this twenty touch a game kind of guy. Yeah, I, I just think. I mean, hopefully with a full off season, Gurley's healthy now. He's at the spot where – and I don't think he's – I'll be honest with you, I don't think he's going to get the usage he's got last year. But you're not drafting him at that. You're not drafting him at running back one right now. I mean, on our board right now, he's running back seven. So you're drafting him at running back seven in the second round, and you already have Julio Jones according to our draft. I think you're you're going to be pretty happy with that team. You're probably right. Yeah, I, I think I'd feel fairly comfortable with that going into the season. I just – it would make me feel a lot better knowing that Todd Gurley is going to be getting this 20 touches a game. You know, if he gets – what's going to be really – what's going to be a fantasy anchor is if he's getting 12 touches a game. That's going to be super, super disappointing. You're hoping he gets two touchdowns a game. Yeah, I just think that offense is still going to be pretty good. It will be. Yeah. So, I think – well, I think some of the receivers are maybe getting a boost with Cooks and Woods. You know, I, there's going to be scoring opportunities. I think I still think people are lingering on kind of how he ended the year, and I I get it, man. The injuries are worrisome, but the talent's there. Yeah. Okay. Team nine. So team nine took Michael Thomas, correct? Correct. Okay. So this team, um, I think if I'm in this situation, I think I am going receiver, receiver, um, and I think I'm going Tyree Kill. So. Um, I said earlier that I'm a little nervous about Michael Thomas, and so I'm going to go on. I'm going to go with this guy that I think could – he's really a weak winner. 
You know, he could bust out and like have a thirty point game for you. And it doesn't matter if Michael Thomas has a throws up a stinker. Those you know, only has like a an eight point game in PPR scoring. So um I think I think Tyreek Hill, he's one of those he's a big play guy. So I would kind of I think I would like to pair Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill together just because, you know, if one guy doesn't have a good a good a good um a good week, then you can kind of rely on the other one. Well, I think Thomas is more likely to give you 15 mm-hmm. every week. Tyreek Hill may give you a week of eight, and then he may give you a week of 25. You know, I think kind of he's in the – we talked about this. He's in the Deshaun Jackson mold. He's just so fast, man, and they and they find ways to give him the ball. We talked about Kareem Hunt. Tyreek Hill is a product of the system too. And Patrick Mahomes is going to chuck it. So – I like the pick. Yeah, I like the pick. Um, and he's he's obviously a receiver that's that's right there in the rankings. Um, as far as pick thirteen, who just took Devontae Adams, I think this is where it starts getting interesting because I think you have some guys that are good receivers. I think you also have some tailbacks that. Are we don't want to pick twelve. No, you just picked twelve. Michael Thomas. Oh, that's right. Okay, so sorry. Uh, yeah, so, 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 so pick, team. So team twelve. Team. Or sorry, team. Excuse me, team eight. Team eight right took Devonte Adams in okay. the first round. Okay. I think right now you'd be reaching for a running back. So I'm going to go with your strategy as far as going receiver, receiver, and I'm going to take Odell Beckham. That gives your team Devonte Adams and Odell Beckham to start the year. Oh, I love that team. I think that team has an opportunity to be. Very, very dangerous, yes. depending on how they draft running backs later. Yes. Um, I know this team will not be picking again until the end of the third round, um, but you got two receivers that – granted, Odell was arguably the number top three receiver in years past. He's he's kind of fallen to receiver, what, five, six, seven now um, because just we're not sure what he can do. But if you start your team with Adams and Odell, you're probably going to be smiling. I love that team. I, I expect a big year from Odell Beckham Jr. I think he has the potential to be the number one scoring wide receiver this year. So, not saying it's likely, but I think he has the potential to do it. I think potential is the key word there. Yes, yes. Okay, so team number seven. seven. So team seven. Um, if I'm if I'm in that situation, you've I'd already also, dra- you've already drafted Le'Veon Bell. Yes, I've drafted Bell. Um, I'm going for a guy that I think that. I can rely on week in and week out, and I think that's Mike Evans. So um, I am high on Odo Beckham Jr. I'm also uh, maybe equally as high on Mike Evans, Um, especially I really like him where he's going, um, his current ADP. You might be able to get Mike Evans even as late as the early second – excuse me, early third round. So I really, really like Mike Evans this year. I think for all the same reasons I like Jameis Winston, I like Bruce Arians, all those guys. So – um, I'm high on Mike Evans. If I start my team with Le'Veon Bell and Mike Evans, I'm I'm probably not smiling from ear to ear. I don't think you'd be smiling from ear to ear. Um, you know, I I really like Mike Evans, and and maybe, you know, I think that he, you know, I think we've talked about this in the past. I think he's worthy of a pick this high, but I don't think that necessarily means you need to pick him this high. And so, um, this is kind of why I prefer auction style to snake because you know you kind of you know you're not you don't have to take him at this quote unquote like early second round price you can just like take him at you know a discount i mean maybe maybe a little bit lower than uh some of these other guys that are going ahead of him and like according to their adp so 
Um, so, yeah, I totally get it. I don't love that pick with Le'Veon Bell. I'd feel more comfortable with that pick if I had a, maybe a surefire sure uh, running back instead of a Bell. I thought you were really high on Bell. I am high on Bell. But now you're kind of backtracking. He's RB6. Interesting. No, he's RB6. So, I maybe I'm just – there's a little uncertainty with both of them, I think. For sure, yeah. So, I mean, you're, those are your first two picks, which we've – talked about on here you've really got a hit with your first two picks yeah and i'm you know while i like those picks i'm not sure if i'm sold on them who would you take instead of that curious i think juju smith schuster has an opportunity to be that wide receiver number one that people would be high on i think that offense is just going to be good um they don't have a ton of other guys even though i mentioned james washington i'm not sold on him. that's why he's in my sleeper category um, so Juju Smith, I still think Antonio Brown's got some, some, some juice, you know, I mean, okay. all right. So I'm picking number 15. This would be team number six has already taken, um, Deandre Hopkins. Once again, my, my initial thought is probably to go running back here, but I think with Juju Smith Schuster on the board, I'm going to take Juju at number 15. Yeah. I like that pick. Yeah. You got two stud receivers in theory. Um, you know, still a little curious about how Juju is going to function uh, without Antonio Brown in the offense, but I'm not really terribly concerned about it. I think he's still going to have a good year. I'm not really buying into this whole, oh, Juju wasn't getting a lot of attention in the, you know, from defenses because Antonio Brown was on the field. Um, I think that you know they still got to respect the you know receiver that's opposite of him. And I think they still got to respect the running game. Um, you know, I kind of like Vance McDonald this year. I think that he's primed for a breakout season and so um i think that these defenses still have to respect some other guys on the field they can't just like lock down juju smith schuster yeah i agree i think um you start your team with him and hopkins that team in my opinion rivals adams and odell in my opinion i think it's right there with them i think that's you're 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 feeling you're feeling pretty good about where you're at as far as receiver wise and you can just go focus on running backs for the next two or three picks if you need to I would agree. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people, I'll say this really quickly. I think a lot of people are, um, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they, they again, they, they're leaning on this, you know, oh, Antonio Brown's not on the offense anymore. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster actually still produced last year, even without Antonio Brown in the lineup. The few times that Antonio Brown was out of the lineup, he still produced. Well, I think the Steelers have had a whole offseason to kind of figure out how to get him the ball as much as possible. Right, right. So back to team five now. So You've team five has taken Zeke. So where where are you leaning here? Are you going receiver? Are you going running back? Um, what 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 are you feeling here? You know, team five actually. If I'm team five right here, I'm probably going to go Travis Kelsey. And so I'm not wow. a huge fan of going tight end this early. I like to wait on tight ends. Um, but I mean, if Travis Kelsey is here, um, you know, all the guys there that I've got going behind him, I feel like have question marks. There's no question marks with Travis Kelsey, you know, and so that's why I feel like you can make an argument for him right here because, um, you know, when you put him in your lineup, um, he's not coming out. He's going in your lineup. He's start. He's starting for you every single week. Um, he's, you know, he's 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 not a guy who misses time really, uh, with the exception I think of his first year. Um, you know, I think that he's somebody that you can rely on week in and week out to put up some points and like keep you in some games. Again. I don't like going tight end that early, and I will almost certainly not do this in any of our drafts. 
um, because there are some guys that there's some high up uh, high upside guys later in the draft that I like, and I'll probably be pulling the trigger on them. But Travis Kelsey is well, very very appealing to me. I, I I don't blame your pick if you're not if you're not sold on Zeke, you're getting the best tight end in the game. You're getting a tight end that week in, week out is going to give you good production. You're getting a safe, very, very safe pick at a position where there's only three studs, really. And, you know, probably those other two probably regress a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like the pick. I I think it is a bold pick, especially at 16, but I don't, I don't mind it. What's the earliest you take him? The very end of the second? Probably end of second, beginning of third. Okay. And yeah. it would depend on how my other picks were 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 going and and who was available. Yeah, my big argument with him is I just think he's out of all all the guys that are left, the second caliber guys. I think he's the safest. You know, I think that's that's my that's my big argument with him is I think I think he is the safest pick left. So, um, who do you have? Who are you taking if you are team four? You took David Johnson in the first round. I like David Johnson, and I'm going running back. Okay. And I'm going – these are two guys you put in your lineup and you don't worry about it. And I'm going James Conner. I think James Conner and David Johnson both have the potential. I think if you if you start your team with James Conner and David Johnson and you at least do okay at receiver, this team's making the playoffs and probably making a run. I just think it's so hard to find two stud running backs – that can make an impact, and I just, I, I, I mean, I would, lo- I would love to start my team with those two. Yeah, I would argue that you probably have the best running back core in the league, right? Um, if you start your team with those two running backs, so, um, you know, not to say there's not better running backs out there. There's, I think there's better running backs out there, but the best running back core, that's probably going to be. Oh, that's going to be pretty good. It's going to th- be tough to beat that. Right, week, I week agree. In week out, um, you may get beat on wide receiver points, but it's going to be tough for you to get beat on running back points week to week. Right. Okay, so if I'm team three, I took Alvin Kamara in the first round, and I'm going to turn around, and I'm actually going to take Nick Chubb. So Wow. Um, <laughs> man, you are such a Browns hater. I tell you what. Um, no, I like Nick Chubb. I think there's going to be plenty of scoring opportunities for him. Um, don't like that he's not all that involved in the passing game, but I think this, this offense is going to be a well-oiled machine. Um, they've got some good, talented pass catchers, a young, talented quarterback. Um, I think that there's going to be opportunities for you know for him to run the ball because I think they're going to be ahead a decent amount of the time. Um, I think they're going to win this division, and I don't think it's going to be all that close either. So I think that Nick Chubb is going to be um, – I don't feel super great about it at the end of the second round, but um, that's just somebody I can't pass up on. He doesn't – in my opinion, I'm not picking him before the beginning of the third and it'll possibly drop to the middle. There's he- some people that are taking him in the – first round i know end of the first and, round and now that's insane that's crazy well and i think that you there's there's two reasons one especially in ppr is the reason you said he doesn't catch many balls out of the backfield there's my one knock and my second knock is what i talked about earlier with cream hunt coming back i know it's not till later in the year um but if you're drafting a running back in the second round you want a guy that is going to be there week in and week out and i think at the end of the year if Kareem Hunt gives what we think he can, what we've seen, Chubb's going to end up, you know, he's going to lose some touches. Yeah, I just feel like, man, it's just it's going to be such a long time until Kareem Hunt comes back. Like, unless this team is just doing really poorly, I don't see him stealing that much work. I think if they are winning as much as I think they're going to win, like I see them riding Chubb, you know, and I think they, they probably don't stray, stray away from him. That's just what I think, though. 
Fair enough. Um, team two has already taken McCaffrey. The reason I'm making this pick is because I think how safe McCaffrey is as a pick, I think I'm going to go Antonio Brown. And I think at the end of the second, with his potential, I mean, you arguably have a top three receiver if Brown is healthy and, and getting production. And then you have a arguably a top two run two to three running back, and your team's going to be in most weeks. It's a risky pick, and I know that's your risk aversion. But if he's healthy, is that how risky is that? Well, the thing is, like, if you got like the first or second overall pick in a draft, then you know it's almost like you're getting two second round picks. So you may be able to still hit on that third round pick and be okay. You right. know what I mean? Right. So I mean, I think that. Um, once you have McCaffrey or Saquon or Alvin Kamara or somebody that like that that's regarded as a really really safe pick, like I'm okay with you swinging for the fences a little bit at the end of the second round on a guy like Antonio Brown because Antonio Brown is the number one receiver like he's been in the past you know several seasons. Then you're probably be impossible you're, you're probably winning the league. Yeah. So unless you've just now I'm not forecasting that. I right. don't think that he's going to be the number one wide receiver this year. Just because of all the changes. Well, we know the potential's there. The potential, but yes, exactly. The potential is there. So I'm okay with you, you know, kind of swinging for the fences at that point in the draft. And uh, team one. How are you finishing off this draft? Uh, team one's going to take Dalvin Cook. So um, I understand people might be a little bit nervous about the injury history with Dalvin Cook, but um, the talent is there. I think this offense is going to make it a point to run the ball and run the ball often. Um and so I, I, I feel good about Dalvin Cook right here. Um, I think that he is going to be loaded up with touches this year. I, I've, I mean, he's had plenty of time to get healthy. I think this is going to be a team that wants to play good defense, run the ball. Um, you know, these defenses are going to have to respect two stud receivers. And so I think there's going to be plenty of room for Dalvin Cook to run. Now, this is what I will say. The first round – the first overall pick – um, I feel like they can almost kind of double down. Maybe double down is not the right term, but they can turn right around. If I'm team one, I may take another running back here with the next pick. I take Joe Mixon and just kind of like hedge my bet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that way I know I got two stud running backs. You know, at least one of those guys is probably going to hit. He's probably going to be a really, really good running back. For well, I think the receivers you're picking from there is Keenan Allen, uh, Amari Cooper, Julian Edelman. So I think, I mean, I, I like the pick. I think Keenan Allen would be a little bit of a reach there. And like I've always said, you know, I'm high on running backs. If you can get two guys that you can just put in there and not have to worry about it, you're never going to hear me complain. So I, I like the pick. I probably would have taken Mixon over him just because of the injury history. Um, but – once again, I'm high on Kirk Cousins as a sleeper, so I think their offense is going to be going to be better. There's more potential with Dalvin Cook, but I've just seen it more with Joe Mixon. Right. I think the only reason, and like, I mean, I'm, we're kind of splitting hairs here because, like I said, like I'd probably turn around and take Joe right, Mixon take him in the, the next third pick, round, right? Because like, you know, why? I mean, because that'd be really. I mean, if they if they all turn out to be RB ones, like, I mean, how are you going to beat that lineup? Like, if you have two those two guys, like you know, you have David Johnson, Dalvin Cook, and then in your flex you got. Joe Mixon, it's gonna be tough to beat right. that lineup. So yeah, and, um, and PPR, I'm not as high on Joe Mixon, but I still think he's a uh, right. He's not going past the middle of the third round. I guess my thing is, um, you know, with Joe Mixon, you know, the, and again, splitting hairs here. 
I just I'm nervous about the offense. You know, I just I think it's going to be a bad team. I think they're going to be behind quite often. So that's why I'm kind of feeling the way. Yeah, I'm the only reason I like Joe Mixon is just because he is the number one, and there's nobody really. There's nobody really coming close to him. He's right. he's he's the guy getting touches, but he doesn't catch a ton of balls. Right, right. Um, but once again, I mean, he's a running back you put in. You don't have to worry about. So that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we got for tonight. We appreciate you guys listening in. You guys have been listening to What's Your Fantasy Football podcast. Uh, we will be releasing some new content here in a couple days. Appreciate you guys listening in, and uh, we will catch you guys next time. Probably talk about some breakouts, some busts, uh, maybe a couple more sleepers. We'll catch you guys then. Peace out. What's your fantasy football podcast? Fantasy rankings, fantasy projections, fantasy news, fantasy advice, all for your fantasy team. Fantasy football podcast. What's your fantasy? This fantasy football podcast is recorded and produced by your fantasy expert, Josh Anderson. What's your fantasy for your fantasy football team?